1: Welcome to Brother Day, Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Week 111, like the F-111. An <laughs> underappreciated fighter slash all-weather whatever. You guys know about the yeah. F-111.
2: I mean, if you don't, you should.
1: That's right. Wikipedia, that shit.
2: Led, led directly to the F-14, so...
1: That's right, had them swept win- the the variable geometry, wait, what do they call those things?
2: Yeah, variable geometry wings, yeah. or sweep wings. These yeah. things were
1: fucking legit. Some Transformers nonsense right there. It's a Star Trek week.
2: It sure is. You know how we do it, too. Uh, last week we ranked the episodes, and, um, and this week, just to make sure we're giving them all a fair shake, we're going to talk about the episode that finished last. First.
1: Yeah, there you go. See? And I'm supposed to be watching them in that order too, but then my wife wants to watch them and she only wants to watch TNG, so we always watch that first.
2: Yeah, I have sort of I now sort of watch them in convenience order too. Like yeah. um Katie watched all of the Deep Space Nines mm-hmm. during the years that we lived apart, so she has no interest in rewatching those.
1: I have, don't blame her. I have no interest in rewatching them after this. <laughs>
2: She's never seen any of the Voyagers, but she has absolutely no objection to watching a random fifth season Voyager episode. Yeah. That is, you know, until until it happens yes. and then she goes,
1: "What was that?" Until 3 or 4 minutes in when she goes, "Oh, should I should have been more careful about this."
2: Uh, she's heard enough of us badmouthing Janeway that she already doesn't fuck with her. Good. So uh we'll, I good. Mean, we'll you know talk about. Mission it.
1: accomplished. That's uh, if one person has listened to this podcast and learned not to fuck with with katherine janeway then we've done our job
2: correct yeah uh there was one particular scene this week that caused katie to curse so i'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that when we when we get to it of course um but yeah uh last place this week was for Vo- uh, last week was voyager so this week we're going to start with the fight
1: I understand you're, you've gone away for for pod safety reasons from the music clips. Uh-huh. But is there anything that popped into your head that you would have liked to have played for this uh, piece I of mean, donkey turds?
2: Yeah, I mean, so there's lots of things you could have played. Um, there's a very uh, quiet Jen Grant cover of Eye of the Tiger that oh. would have been a pretty good choice. Yes. Or... Uh, or the Jen Grant song The Fighter. That's a just a good song.
1: So I'd so, like to expose people to that. So, some, so something Jen Grant? <laughs> Probably from
2: something from Jen Grant would have been my <laughs> uh would have been my choice. Or um Jimmy Sharman's Boxers oh, would have good, been legit good choice. Yeah.
1: Why are we paying for this?
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Come why on. are they fighting? Why are we paying? Well,
1: no, that's what I said what to myself. What is the reason? I said to myself. We keep coming back for more. Why are we paying for this about Paramount Plus? That's what I was saying
2: yeah. about. <laughs> uh, I just got I just got billed for our podcast hosting for the
1: next year. <laughs> said, uh, I why I said are we to myself, paying for this? Why are we paying for this? Right,
2: yep. And then, of course, every time it's time to watch Voyager, I do say, what is the reason we keep coming <laughs> there, back
1: for there, more? There is
2: a reason for this?
1: <laughs> what is the reason we keep coming back for more?
2: <clears throat> uh, everybody, go listen to Jimmy Sharman's "Boxers." That's off uh, <laughs> yes, official the Ten to One rank. album. Yep. Countdown. Is that Ten
1: to One or Red Sales? Jimmy Sharman's. Box-
0: right? uh, oh jeez. Oh, yeah, I
1: think it is Ten ah. to One. I don't think it's the same kind of weird as Red Sales.
2: It's from one of the two really weird, weird '80s records. <laughs> weird '80s Midnight Oil records before they found commercial success with Diesel and Dust um but after oh it
1: is red sales well, what do i know
2: after arguably their best album well now it's after i guess two albums after their best album
1: yeah but i i uh, can count, the countdown record and and red sales are kind of a pair the way i consider head injuries in places without a postcard kind of a pair and that mm-hmm. they are both very weird but in their own kind of genre
2: Yeah, to me, uh, 10 to 1 and Red Sails are, um, they're kind of like when you have the flu in the summer.
0: Mm, Yes.
2: And you're just sweaty and disoriented and everything is weird and wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if you just put those on, you might die.
1: (laughs) That's right. I assume there have been at least a few summer flus or colds that you had growing up where you were also listening to those records. So there may yeah, be a that, specific the association
2: sense may not be accidental. Yeah, um, because I remember, I vividly remember in eighth grade going out to a record store. I had a little bit of money mm. and going over to the Midnight Oil cassette tapes mm-hmm. and having to choose between, uh, like, did I want to get? Earth and Sun and Moon, the mm. new shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: Or did I want to get some, uh, some one of these old records I'd never heard yeah, of? Yeah.
1: Some of these unexplanatory
2: ones. And getting a ten to one. Yeah. And listening to it like records on hot on the bus on the way to visit Sacramento. Yeah. And just a school trip, you know.
1: The record's so hot. It's got. Uh, I mean, the back half of that <laughs> record
2: is incredible.
1: I mean, was well, there something wrong with Outside World? Or Only the Strong? Or Short Memory? Or Read About It? Or Screaming Boots? Come on, man. The whole record's good.
2: That's yeah, it's pretty
1: good. It's a pretty good record. Everybody listen to some of those two records. That's your homework.
2: Yeah, everybody go listen to those two Midnight Oil records from 1983 and
1: 1985 or whatever. Yeah. All right.
2: We open on Chakotay No!
1: No! Not Chakotay
2: Screaming (laughs) I mean, actually, I'm going to take it back He was yelling Uh, yeah Do you know what I mean? Yep. He's yelling, no Make them stop, get them out, etc And from the thing Shmolus is saying to him It's apparent that it's some aliens trying to communicate with him.
1: Yeah, he calls him, like, Mr. Ambassador and stuff. Uh We're, like, so heavily in media res on this opening that they are even using, like, inside jokes and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And actually, Marjan said to me... Wait, is it, did it, because, you know, it's the Paramount Plus app. She's like, wait, is it like playing halfway through the episode? Uh-huh. And yeah, I was I like. It
2: started at the minute 19 or something. And like, be like, no. That is a
1: super good question, and I will check to make sure, but I totally believe Voyager would just start like this.
2: Um, but there's also only one other very brief scene before credits, and that is up on the bridge where we learn that Voyager is in chaotic space, and the graviton shear is buckling the hull.
1: Good, I'm glad we learned about that.
2: Because we looked forward to see what this episode was going to be about, I already knew the term chaotic space, and I'm so glad. Because if we had just seen that fucking screaming in media res opening, and then cut up there and heard something about chaotic space, <laughs> I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> that would have been a quit like, the podcast you can't moment. That, that can't happen to you unprepared.
1: Yeah, back to back, those two things right in a row is pretty rough.
2: Like, I hope to God the people watching this in...
1: 1997. Yeah. Uh looked at TV guide ahead of time. And they said uh Voyager's caught in chaotic space. Oh no. Oh yeah. god. And meanwhile chakotay Oh god.
2: And and by the way, and this is this is not helpful, but chakotay has got different hair this week mm. and it's the hair he had when he was evil. <laughs> when he was fired with the black gloves. episode from the fucking Holocaust. Yeah. Museum
1: when he was pirate uh, living witness leather glove Chicote or whatever
2: yeah so he's got that hair again and he's fucking screaming and we rip off a quick mention of chaotic space and it's like fuck man anything could be happening am I you know like immediately you think am I gonna have to blank this one because it doesn't take place in our mm. time
1: Uh. well, well the whole time the- I was wondering whether or not this was just because he was so frazzled that he had new hair or if this was just his new hair for sure
2: yeah like, he just, he was too busy doing all this shit to get a haircut. Yeah. After the credits, Schmaltz makes a log entry about Chakotay's deteriorating condition. But, like, while he's sitting at his desk, this is one of the ones where we see where he's making the log entry. Mm-hmm. And while he's sitting there making the log on his computer, Chakotay is just still <laughs> yelling in sickbay. <laughs> well. Just
1: like, okay, I'll be back. I gotta go write this down. I gotta go write this down. You just keep doing your thing there I'll, I'll see you in a minute he, i I have a feeling chaco had been screaming for like a day and he was he was not yeah, gonna yeah, he yeah. was not gonna put his routine aside anymore
2: yeah he was like this isn't gonna get any better this isn't gonna get spoiler alert at no point does shmullis think that chakotay is in any kind of danger this
1: week no it just seems um. well he, he definitely talks about how he's hallucinating a lot but again in starfleet yes. that's no big deal <laughs> But
2: also, Schmollis knows exactly why he's hallucinating, and he knows that once this situation is over with, he can just give him the drugs that suppress it again. Yep. Uh, You know what I mean? So, this whole thing is, this whole week, uh, this whole episode, Schmollis and Janeway are a little bit irritated at Chakotay. (laughs) Because he doesn't want to keep having these hallucinations.
1: Yep. That they
2: need him to have.
1: I have I only have character notes, really, about Chakotay and the Doctor. So I will have some things to say about the doctor.
2: Yeah. All right. Schmollis believes that the alien denizens of chaotic space are reconfiguring Chakotay's neural pathways in order to communicate. And he asks him to remember how this all started. Remember the boxing simulation where he got an injury. And suddenly we see him uh, fighting in a ring in some gym in the In what looks like the nineteen seventies, but it's not clear. I don't know why. Tom Paris
1: helped him set up the program, you know.
2: It must be right, because well Boothby's there, Boothby is his boxing coach. You know, the groundskeeper.
1: Yep. Yeah, well again, every show's job is to ruin everything TNG ever did. And so of course in TNG Boothby was supposed to be just the groundskeeper that Picard, one person, happened to have a special relationship with. Uh huh. And then over now time, now everybody fucking knows him. He's everything to everyone. He was Chakotay's academy boxing trainer. Uh huh. So that's why he's that, been put into the the simulation.
2: We've seen Boothby in Voyager before. He was an Undine planning to take over mm-hmm. the Federation. That's how important Boothby is. So at this point, when you see Boothby, you don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> Anyway, this does not look like a. Uh, this boxing could be taking place at Starfleet Academy in the. What do you think Chakotay was there? Late twenty three fifties, early twenty
1: three sixties. Yeah, it's, uh, that could be. Yeah,
2: right. Doesn't look like that at all. Looks like Rocky.
1: Yes, it looks like the. It looks like Rocky Three specifically when he goes to train in L.A. That's what it looks like. Yes.
2: Uh. So he's fighting in a ring in some gym, um, and Boothby's big advice for him is to let himself take some punches so the other guy gets tired. That doesn't seem right to me.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I know. I have many notes about this.
2: But because of what this episode is ultimately about, Boothby's got to be telling him, like, your enemy is yourself, mm. and you got to you gotta go in there and take the punches so that you know you can take them, so you have confidence, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. You got to face your fears but specifically let this alien punch you a bunch of times. Yeah,
1: you got to get hit so many times. That's what being a he says, that's what being a good boxer is. Just getting punched the most.
2: Uh anyway, before we know whether that advice is worth anything, uh Chicote starts having a visual hallucination where everything gets all wibbly wobbly mm. and he gets knocked cold out.
1: 500,000 dollars I bet. For that effect.
2: Oh, for the effect? Yeah, could easily have been. <laughs> Uh, that, or it's a pre-built filter in the Amiga computer that they use. <laughs> One or the other, but they may still have built it for 500
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, he wakes up in sick bay and he's getting a big lecture from the doctor, who is not a fan of boxing, and he thinks it's a dumb, brutal sport for caveman apes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Chakotay tells him about the weird mirage he saw, Shmolos confirms that there is some kind of unusual energy pattern in his brain. They don't get to dig into it right now or ever because he gets called to the bridge because Voyager is running up on a big wibbly wobbly phenomenon in space and it moves too fast and too erratically for them to avoid even though this is a fast ship and Tom Paris is supposed to be a good pilot. They just end up inside it.
1: You know, I'm just going to say it. I've never seen him pilot his way out of anything. Has he piloted his way out of anything?
2: This show is so bad at visual and space effects. the whole visual language of Star Trek is ocean going vessels, and <laughs> yep. even when you see someone do a cool maneuver, like think of Picard trying to get out of the Menthar booby <clears> trap, <throat> yeah, and he he's gonna do that gravity slingshot, and he pushes the button, and the ship slowly yep. rolls and then very slowly swings around. So I don't know and that this Data show is capable of Jesus in his robot piloting. pants because he's never, uh-huh.
1: apparently he he doesn't know about how to about uh, gravity and stuff. He's uh-huh. totally blows Yeah, his for mind. some reason he can't
2: figure that one out. Uh-huh. Anyway. They're in this fucking thing, mm. and uh, Seven calls everybody down to Astrometrics, even though it would have been easier for her to go up to the bridge because <laughs> they don't actually end up showing anything in Astrometrics. There's no reason for them to be down there. It's true. It she is just has to tell. Super them. It's selfish. Kind of a power play. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't really want to go out the door. Yeah. Go see Yugi. Can you just come see me, and I'll tell tell you all about it.
2: It's not like in generations when they go to astrometrics so data can show the the nexus ribbon mm. moving through the galaxy or whatever. Right. She just calls them down there because that's where she is right now. That's right. Well, she tells them that the Borg know all about this chaotic space. They've detected it all over the fucking galaxy. Right. But only one cube has ever escaped it. And someone says, how come we don't know anything about that? And she says, probably all the Federation ships that... Uh, found it just were lost forever.
0: Right.
1: Did she did uh, she have I'll any f- useful information about how that one cube escaped? She absolutely did not. No, I, she had
2: nothing more to say to it, and I, no one asked.
1: I thought she was going to have something, and I thought someone nope. was going to ask, and then neither no. happened, and I thought I'd missed something. <laughs> and I went, nope, mm. you did not. They must have asked, and she said no. And I, I, again, I, I told you off air. I had a lot of trouble focusing up on this one, um, on account of the uh, tra- the trash, the trashness of yeah. it.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what makes this space chaotic is that the physical laws within it are constantly in flux, hmm. and but the main problem she does tell them the main problem they're going to encounter is graviton shear. Now we already know that.
1: Yep, from the teaser. <laughs> from the teaser. Yeah. Uh huh. And there's a reason for that,
2: and we'll talk about it later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. I hope it's a production note from Memory Alpha.
2: It is a production note from Memory Alpha. <laughs> So they start recalibrating the sensors. That's the main thing they need to accomplish. And while they're doing that, Chicota goes to his quarters, but he starts hearing things, and he sees his boxing gloves on a chair, and his audio hallucination becomes more clear. It's all the sounds from his boxing program. But he gets called back to the bridge, because this episode is so badly plotted and written, yeah, 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 the ship is starting to take damage from the anomaly. Even up on the bridge, he's hearing the hallucinations and seeing the boxing gloves everywhere. So they didn't need that scene in his quarters at all. No, but uh, and he finally kind of snaps and he starts swinging on Tuvok, and Tuvok takes him out immediately with a neck pinch. It's fucking nothing, so he can quit the boxing gym.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. I have um, I have questions though.
2: We see Worf do his martial art a little bit this week, and it's much more effective than Chakotay's boxing program.
1: Do you suppose you're allowed to neck pinch in boxing? Did they have to come up with a rule once they started encountering oh, no, no. people yeah. who oh, could do it? This is a good question. Were they like, all right, fuck, no neck pinches, I guess. Jesus.
2: Yeah, maybe Vulcans aren't allowed in, like humans aren't allowed to enter the Mutaito.
1: Yeah, but for different reasons, because Babylon 5 did it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah They just, course. everyone's just sick of humans. That's the best reason. They're just like, you guys well, come, he... and you get in everything, and you try to make everything yours, and we're not having it. This is for aliens. Stay out.
2: Vulcan powers and abilities also change from rider to rider, but it does seem like it'd be difficult to do the, uh, to do the pinch with the full size boxing gloves.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> You're right, though. He would use a telepathic power instead. He'd use some kind of telepathic attack, yeah. for sure.
2: Or it turn out that, uh, you know, like uh, when you get in a clinch with someone, that's enough physical contact to do a mind meld or some <laughs> kind of goddamn thing.
1: He'd uh, uh, convince the guy to start boxing himself. The, literally the ref's himself like, I, the
2: I heard him say my mind to your mind. <laughs> that's it. You know that's not that's allowed. That's it. Call it. Uh, Shmolus scans him after the this neck pinch and confirms that his eyes and ears are fine. But he carries a genetic marker for visual and auditory hallucinations that um, had previously been suppressed before he was born. Great. Uh, but now that gene has been switched back on. And Chicote tells Janeway that his grandfather had the condition and refused treatment for, I think, what we presume are spiritual reasons They're because of pan flute plays. Yep. <laughs> but he doesn't outright say it. <laughs>
1: you were in you're all over my notes this week this is why i need a new computer because i the security <laughs> on this one's not getting the job done yeah you've you're mega
2: hacked for sure
1: yeah because uh um, seriously every time they start mentioning anything about his family his people though again they are never specific about what that means or any of his traditions pan flute fucking just starts blaring in the background <laughs> You just fucking,
2: it's just Zam fear all over as soon as it comes up.
1: It's like, imagine. I think, I always use Japanese. Japanese is my favorite analog for all of these situations. Imagine if they just showed a Japanese guy and he talked about his dad or something, and suddenly in the back, of it was just like the most stereotypical.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Do you mean from this week's episode of TNG where
1: <laughs> oh, Kekeko
2: is having a recovered memory and they put Shamisen music behind Absolutely it? Absolutely exactly what I mean they're it's fucking hacks everyone the knows
1: worst them.
2: anyway normally you'd think that chakotay would respect his grandfather's refusing treatment for spiritual reasons because that actually kind of seems right up his alley mm-hmm. but he calls him a crazy old man and it's clear that he is not into this idea no
1: apparently this is his latest secret fear that we've never heard of until now
2: uh-huh is that he's going to lose his mind because his old grandpa was loopy.
1: Yeah, we heard a lot about his dad, uh, Don Alejandro de la Vega, but yes, we never heard nothing about this crazy old coot until now. It's weird how that accent skipped
2: a generation, huh? <laughs> it's
1: it's a too grandpa bad because it's, it it's a fabulous accent. I love it. I wish I wish Chakotay had it. I'd enjoy the show a lot more, I think.
2: But Don Don Alejandro, who should have been in fifty more Voyagers, as far as I'm concerned, let's make him the
1: character instead of Chakotay. <laughs> it would have been great if, after Maki. that episode, he was just Chakotay and they never talked about it.
2: Yep. Yeah. And you be like, I don't know, man. Voyager got better,
1: and I'm know. It's weird to say this, but sexier. <laughs> yeah. It was like suddenly I was just like I was appointment viewing every week just to see yeah. what uh, Zoro's dad was up to. What a coup to get that guy to play Chakotay from the very be- from episode one, huh? People uh, just Chikote's forget that Belgian was brother, even right? in it. What?
2: Uh, Chicote's probably Zorro's brother, um, if you think about must
1: it. Must be. <laughs> his, sad, his sad schlub of a brother.
2: Nah, it doesn't make any sense. People wouldn't have made so much fun of Don Diego.
1: That's true, because they would have had if this fucking If Chicote was palling around. I mean, wasn't their number one thing they made fun of Don Diego about, that he was just a nerd? Yeah, he
2: was kind of a nerd, and I think a sissy. They thought he was a little bit of a sissy.
1: They're like this fucking nerd. This, this guy. You know what this guy could never do? Fucking hold a sword. Couldn't do it.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, not capable of it. Yeah. Probably no good with a whip either. If I had to guess,
1: that's right. You know, that guy couldn't do cool horse tricks. Could never. Yeah, doesn't do pull horse the shit.
2: Yeah. I bet he doesn't run along
1: rooftops. If that guy, you imagine or what happen if that guy got up on the roof with lancers shooting at him? Be fucking embarrassing.
2: Can you imagine it, <laughs> Don Diego? Kim gets the sensors back online, and they start trying to make their way out of the anomaly. But they find a damaged ship in there with them.
0: Oh.
2: Uh, It has no life signs, but the logs and the uh, distress call that they receive mention audio hallucinations and lack of sleep. Also, it turns out they were stuck there for like a year. Oh,
1: that's not so good.
2: Not great. But Janeway has their... Ship stripped for parts, and the dead captain <laughs> autopsied. Dave,
1: hey, where's Dakota to complain about that? That seems like they maybe they didn't honor this this people's cultural wishes about about after their death. Yeah, just yeah. stole. His well, body. where he
2: is, <laughs> exactly where he is is as soon as he finds out that everyone's going to be busy for a minute, he announces that he needs to go on a vision quest.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: So. Akuchi Moya, Mm. I'm far from the spirits of my ancestors, bones of my ancestors. Mm. Uh, He goes on his vision quest. He follows his crazy grandfather around in some weird blue caves. Right. Trying to get him to take his medicine. But within the vision quest, he starts hearing the boxing match again, (laughs) and he finds himself in the ring.
1: That's where the quest took him.
2: Then he wakes up in Sick Bay and he explains that the aliens were there watching him. And I'm going to tell you now that I do not know if this scene takes place in the present of uh, the teaser or if we're still in the flashback.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Is there any way to know?
2: I don't think there's any way to know. Yeah. Uh suddenly he starts channeling, maybe, and he talks about the eighteenth gradient and a trimetric fracture and altering the warp field with a rentrilic trajectory.
1: Sure, 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 sure.
2: But then he gives up and starts screaming that it's too much and to get them out. Janeway rolls up and straight up tells him to his face that his sanity isn't worth anything if they end up trapped there. Right. So he's going back in, even if it makes him insane. And that convinces him to try it again. And... Now he's in the ring, and his, uh, his, they, they start announcing his opponent, Kid Chaos. Yes. But, but now, in a very bad version of orb visions from Deep Space Nine, the crew are there. And he's ordering them to set their weapons on kill. Boothby shames him out of it. Tom Paris starts quoting boxing odds and tries to get him to accept a scratch for the fight. Neelix steps in and says he's going to file a grievance with the boxing commission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Describing this episode. Everyone
1: got to play a little part in this, this little community play.
2: The whole crew's basically trying to talk him out of it. Uh, They know he's afraid of becoming his nutty old grandfather. So he goes back to the blue caves, try and convince the old man to come home. (laughs) Then he's back in the ring and Shmulla steps in and calls it off and he is, he pulls him out of his vision quest. Voyager's still trying to make their way out of chaotic space. But um, because they've seen where silence has lease, they run up on the first beacon that they dropped and they've been going in circles.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I thought that at first when they ran into the other ship, I was like, oh, it's going to be Voyager. They're going to him on board it, and like, uh-huh. the doors won't open and someone's going to get uh-huh. super mad about it.
2: Yep. one ready room, one Riker, (laughs) one door. (laughs) It's like, okay. Seven has picked up an energy pattern here in chaotic space. She says, could be natural, could be a transmission of some kind. Janeway recognizes this energy pattern on site from her exogenetics class. Sure. As the resonance frequency of DNA.
1: Yeah. It was the one question she got wrong. And she remembered forever.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Uh, so now they think that A- this is where this is the point where they figure out. So Chakotay said to the doctor earlier the aliens were trying to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. They figure out that the whole the whole method the hallucination method is the alien communication. So now it is also
1: night terrors. Yes, obviously.
2: Well, obviously. Uh,
1: so said, he goes back into they the They said, ring. bring me many hydrogens. <laughs> We have so little hydrogens that we cannot escape. Please bring us the hydrogens, thank you. Yes,
2: they need the most abundant element in the universe. Uh-huh. Uh Chicote goes back in the ring. Um Voyager's getting more Graviton cheering. Chicote starts taking punches from Kid Chaos, who's like a sparkly mm. He's Armist basically.
1: Yeah. It's also Skin of Evil, in case anyone was wondering. It's
2: also Skin of Evil this week. <sighs> And they start talking to him, again, prophet style, but in a much worse method where it's just cut up of little clips of people saying words. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, God, yeah, like a, like an audiovisual ransom note or something.
2: Uh-huh. It is exactly what it is. It's an AV ransom note. Mm-hmm. They tell him his sensors need to be realigned, his mind needs to be realigned, etc. While he can remember what they showed him, he goes to the bridge to make the adjustments Kim wants to stop him and start shouting things like, I'm locking him out, but Janeway trusts him. (laughs) He recalibrates the deflector array. Suddenly he can plot a way out. Voyager emerges into real space and resumes their course home. Chakotay tells the doctor that he's going back into the program because that's where he relaxes, and he goes back in to do some more boxing with Boothby. The end. Matthew.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. What was this episode about? I'll just say real quick. That was probably the one time Kim thought he was going to be allowed to do something cool, like lock somebody yep. out. He's like, "This is the time I'm going to be able to flex my muscles," and I'm I'm locking him out of my station. And Janeway still wouldn't let him. Um, nope. I what Boothby said. I guess the don't <laughs> don't fight it. The real fight is internal. Are You tough enough to make it through, if the crisis or a fight. A puzzle or whatever instead of avoiding it, so I guess sometimes there's no avoiding an unpleasant situation, so you better face it head on
2: I mean, yeah,
1: sort of sure, okay, maybe uh that's a, a straight down the middle, I gave it a five
2: so this is definitely an episode about facing your fears, sure, right, but. It's so badly crafted.
1: This, uh, when you were describing it, it reminded me of last week's DS9, the part one of the DS9. Mm-hmm. And that it is so badly planned out that things appear to be happening for no reason. There's just shit popping yes. up all over the place. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Who, is anyone in charge over there? Or is it just random shit being spliced together on the editing room floor or whatever?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There, it is. It has similar feeling. Um. Uh, so I'm not sure if the take was something like even the most deep-seated fear can be overcome with the right motivation. Okay. And this is based on stuff like all the negative parts of his personality or the crew trying to talk him out of it, but he starts shouting that he's doing it for them. Right. And it's like he's found his little motivation there. Or it could be something like your fear of turning into your most embarrassing family member from when you were a teenager <laughs> probably doesn't stand up to an adult re evaluation. Could be based on how pleasant and mildly goofy his crazy old man grandfather is. Oh, like, yeah. this the big thing that is afraid of is that this guy's gonna pop his head through the bedroom door and say, I'm going down <laughs> to Safeway, <laughs> baby, don't you wanna go? That's right.
1: You know, it's not so bad to have people like that around in your life. It's kind of a yeah. low stress kind of crazy.
2: This guy was just like so gentle and he's like, I'm going to take a walk with my friends. And Chikote's like, there's no one here. You idiot. And he's like, mm, no, they want me to walk this way. <laughs> All right.
1: You're right. And maybe Chicote, as an adult goes, oh, I mean, I guess it's kind of sweet, actually.
2: Yeah, now, now that I think about it, was I just I was just embarrassed. Yeah. I didn't just didn't want my friends to see him be like, oh, I'm talking to my friends, can't you see him and they'd be like, what's going on with your grandfather, man? Yeah. But in retrospect doesn't really hold up. Anyway, in this episode he faces a big psychological fear to help his friends and I think that's worth a few points. Okay. Um so I I'm going to you know I was a 3 but I'm going to meet you halfway and go 4. Okay, on this one. Uh, no, no. There's a take. There's something happening this week, which is surprising given the terrible description I just gave.
1: Them. Yeah. So okay, did they ask a question or make a statement or something? Yes, they did. But I, I think we will probably agree that on the rest of the criteria, they maybe yeah. didn't get the job done. No notes from Ben this week.
2: Yeah. No notes from Ben this week. We're flying solo. We are 32 minutes in. <laughs> we just started no, doing so. the scoring.
1: <laughs> Uh huh. All right. Well, tell uh, me about executions.
2: I so man, this was just a total disaster. Yeah, not good. Here's what happened. The episode came in several minutes under. How do they keep doing that,
1: Voyager? Uh huh. Every other show I've and ever heard of, the problem is always they came in like way too long.
2: Their solution was to film the sick bay framing device. Where, in like, as in the teaser Mm. and the first scene back, where Schmollis explains what's happening and tells him to remember.
1: (laughs) This is exactly what trouble they got
2: in last time. It's just like the Tom Paris and J.L.O.S. There's like 30 days, but with even worse results (laughs) because it makes the episode 100% confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Are we in the flashback? Are we in the vision quest? Are we in the holodeck? Yeah. How long has this been going on? And just on and on and on. It's things like she talks about Graviton Shear in the teaser. And then later, She's like, halfway hey, through pfft. the episode, she explains Watch to her listen, that Graviton you're going to want to look out for Graviton Shear. <laughs> it, it just makes it impossible to follow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not in the way where you're supposed to be confused so that it can all be revealed later. Nothing is really revealed. Later on, you're still Mm -hmm. like, wait, which part was when? What was happening?
2: Exactly. Look, I don't know how I could have ever given a lot of points for this episode with all of the hallucinations and vision quests. It's a lot. But the framing device that they put in just rips this thing to utter shit. Yep. It was so confusing that... At the end, when Chakotay takes that punch and the screen goes black, which is the last scene, he's back in the holodeck, mm. Katie looked over to me and said, two-parter? <laughs> so God. just like Marjan asked you if we'd started 20 minutes in because of a Paramount Plus fuck-up, <laughs> yep. Katie thought that maybe they were. this was going to be a two-parter, which thank God it's Oh odd.
1: my God, can you imagine if they wasted a two-parter on this plot? Fuck. fuck. <laughs> so no, it just... was much more like uh, the end of Rocky Three. When they get they get sure. into the ring together and they both throw a punch and it freezes. It does a freeze frame on them. They should have done a freeze frame. Yeah. So they just utterly mangled it. I can't give them any points for execution. <laughs> it is really bad. It's not good. How did they um, execute on, your, on the take, though, just in case there's any points to be salvaged there?
2: Well, I wasn't sure which of
1: the two takes it was. <laughs> so not good, then. All right. Um, well, I wasn't much better. Let's see what I have. Uh, I wrote, this whole thing was trash and made no sense. As always, it was a bunch of techno babble wrapped up in some bad student art film bull crap. Characters acted radically the entire time. Voyagers definitely the show most likely to begin in media res, so this totally yes. holds. <laughs> just that You're just in it and you go, oh God, what the fuck's happening? Every time Chaco talks about his family or heritage, some pan flute starts in the background.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The rest of the episode, though, has the world's worst horror movie soundtrack. And then about that part in the end where it's just all the words spliced together, I just said, "Join me and the boys of action for some <laughs> boys summer. of summer for action." For action. <laughs>
2: uh, it's um. <laughs> do you remember the hallucination where uh, Lisa has to explain? To check in Burns suit, yes, in the Who shot Mister Burns episode, which is
1: supposed to be kind of a uh, Twin Peaks, right?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I wish they'd done that, is What I'm
1: saying, <laughs> you wish they'd gone back to Twisted when uh, be- when when Kate was Burns suit. Yeah. when Kate told them, fucking what? I mean, what could she even have told them in that episode? She, it's twisted. <laughs> yeah, twisted it is. <laughs> uh, I had it as a one, so we were. Extremely close. They had no... There were no positive notes in there, for sure. <laughs> oh, God. World building. Um, what
2: about world building?
1: Uh, Gull t- to let the knockout in the mm-hmm. neutral zone?
2: The knockout in the neutral zone. So
1: there's still prize fighting happening deep into the future, and they let the aliens do it, too. And even a full Cardassian Gull, unless that's a nickname. It's a good question. Ah, uh, Jesus. Chaotic space wanking motion. The aliens who live there and who communicate with, again, the audiovisual equivalent of a ransom note. Return of the Vision Quest machine. I refused to write down the techno babble, especially about activating the DNA and all that shit. Mm-hmm. By the way, I thought it was against Federation laws to mess with people's genes but i guess there are certain things that are totally cool and
2: is that based on anything next week <laughs> I just have, is, any that,
1: is that what's coming up next week Are we going full no, Bashir? Just,
2: uh, just take a little peek at lander here see what's happening next week <laughs>
1: well, i i you know even if we hadn't gotten into that yet in this project we've done all the augment stuff and uh that's true the, you know they've talked about con and all that business so i just you know i didn't think you were allowed to but i guess there are some things that you're you're allowed to do um More micro... It's weird that this is one, given the Federation's very
2: lax attitude towards hallucination otherwise.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You'd think they'd be Uh, like, Your baby just needs sleep, madam. That's a good thing. Everyone hallucinates a little bit. Just means they're stressed. (laughs) Uh, More micro-fractures. Always with the micro-fractures. It's just every week on Voyager. So many micro-fractures.
2: Now, to be fair, microfractures bring down a lot of aircraft. I know,
1: I get it. It's just That's it's a real problem. That has become their um, their damage report uh, du jour. They're just like, every week now he's got to tell you about how many microfractures there are.
2: Yeah, they've always been there, but Kim just found out how to scan for them.
1: <laughs> that's good. It's, he's making progress. Um, I had it as a one and only for the knowledge that boxing exists deep into the future. Because all, right. all the rest of it, we don't have to worry about this anymore. There's nothing.
2: Uh, chaotic space exists. It's kind of, a, it may potentially be kind of a Bermuda Triangle. Uh, apparently though, there are a lot of lost Federation ships. I believe that. Appar- apparently they just go
1: missing. How many um, and, how many episodes of, of the original series and TNG where they have to go figure out what happened to some Federation ship?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's the Tholian web um it
1: just happens all the time like oh they're gone you gotta go figure out what yep. happened like last week they we definitely we just had Yamato's the one with the purple helmets and everything that that whole episode was just yep. them like yep. what the fuck happened here there's just federation ships just getting blowed up and disappeared all over the place
2: uh you mentioned the knockout in the neutral zone um i think uh that must have been the first pass at that name, because it must have been the demilitarized zone, right?
1: Yeah, unless the fight was just held in the neutral zone for non-Cardassian reasons, just because maybe you get a good audience there. Maybe there's a lot of fight fans. Oh, maybe. The maybe the
2: people living along the neutral zone. You know, they've had a rough ten years. The Borg wiped out a bunch of <laughs> colonies on both sides, and <laughs> constant
1: incursions. And... They need a good distraction. A, uh, yeah. a championship fight is what they need to see. Yeah, I don't baseball
2: yeah. hasn't made it out that way yet. But more more likely,
1: likely they
2: fucked up and they meant to say demilitarized zone. So. Uh boxing is yet another individual academy sport. Mm-hmm. Do they have any team sports?
1: You know what? It seems like the kind of thing they do is rowing. Doesn't that it seem does, like what it? they would be they'd have a rowing team, I was is my feeling about it.
2: Like is the problem that they're independent they're not a part of any conference, and so, like, it's really basically just inter- intramural stuff there. It could be. And that's why it's all boxing and wrestling and marathons.
1: Yeah, I imagine they've got, like, um... Did Janeway do one? I don't remember. We know she's a fan of sumo. Yeah, I don't... Well, is she a fan? Because everyone else seems to think she she's talking about. I mean, she went to the Emperor's Cup. Yeah, but everyone's like, you got that wrong, lady. Um... Yeah, I don't think she's mentioned any any sports that she played at the academy.
2: Hey, did we have any points for the idea that there might still be a Japanese emperor?
1: Um, No, because again, from that name, I wouldn't be able to tell if that was true or if it was yeah. just that's what it's always been called or whatever.
2: Uh. Oh, anyway, yeah, so just a I'm one a, for me. I'm a three. Okay. Because... Uh, it's nice to get confirmation that a lot of ships are have been disappearing Sure. and that they know that that's a problem, and hey, here's maybe one possible explanation yeah maybe they get sucked into the chaotic space of
1: which the Borg say are everywhere
2: yeah, I mean in reality, we don't really there's uh you know they could hit gaps in real space, yeah,
1: how many anomalies or, are there out there <laughs> could uh got
2: quantum filaments,
1: cosmic strings or.
2: Uh yeah or cosmic strings
1: two two dimensional life forms suck Tycan them into, rifts. A, suck them into a, some kind of rift,
2: yeah, soliton waves are bad news we just learned
1: yeah, watch out for those they point at your planet tell them, tell them not to
2: Hey, um, don't maybe
1: don't don't point it right at our planet, but just point it near enough the planet um just point it like up and out of the galaxy, <laughs> yeah, that's right but <laughs> point it up but not out up but not
2: out. For characterization, uh, this week, for the first time, we learned that Chakotay boxes to relax. Yeah. Uh, Janeway has god-awful bedside manner. She basically tells Chakotay that she hopes he goes insane and has to be put down like a rabid dog. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad, but when she tried her your sanity won't be worth much speech, Katie just said, Jesus.
1: <laughs> She's, Janeway is the worst and seems to relish yeah. revel in the fact that she's as bad as anyone has ever been.
2: Uh, she's made her personality about being the worst. Mm-hmm. Schmollis also completely fails to put his patient's well-being first. Mm. Even Chakotay's feelings about his old grandfather come off as real whiny and overblown once we see the guy. Uh-huh. So, you know, I gave it a three and I could probably even see less for characterization.
1: Would Could you see a two?
2: Well, I wish you hadn't said that, but now i got to change it. Because <laughs> I gave it a two.
1: Like I already said, Boothby, the groundskeeper, is now everything to every cadet. Eat that, TNG. Yeah. Um. I don't know if Boothby was as bad a trainer as the simulation of him was, but this was the worst right. advice ever. <laughs> he told him he's supposed to get his ass beat, and that means he's a good fighter. Tell that shit to Floyd Mayweather. The guy's whole deal was he never got hit. Um, Chaco loves boxing now. Chaco's grandfather was a crazy old man. And I guess he's always feared he'd turn out that way or something. He's never talked about it.
2: It's a real weird season five revelation.
1: This keeps happening on Voyager. They was just drop new fucking shit. The I do- hope we
2: never learn about Janeway's ancestors.
1: Is that one also coming up?
2: I don't know. I don't. I didn't watch. I know of it. I but I don't know what episode that
1: is. Okay. So, could be. The Doctor thinks boxing is archaic and barbaric. He also does a Chaco no no, like I said, when he just steals that alien body and does an autopsy. <laughs> Chaco would not be into that. Then he goes from denying Chaco is talking to aliens at all to shouting at him to not quit and see this alien thing through. But it, the switch happens in like three minutes. I don't know. Maybe it was a flashback and then it was in real time. It's hard to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's hard to yep. say. Either way, the change was, it was 180 degrees. He was just, suddenly he was just screaming. at him, like, go in there and talk to aliens, you idiot. Um, Janeway remembers every question she ever got wrong on her science exams. Everybody else little leaked it. It was a real yikes. Just a two for me. Yeah, did you have any quick hitters? Uh, yeah, Beltran decided to act this week and yep. that was not what I wanted or what I was counting on because I knew from that book that he had mailed it in. <laughs> that book where he's like, once I knew I was fucking signed up on a show that was going to last a long time I it was a good gig. I wasn't going to do anything. Uh, Marjan was watching with me. <clears throat> she did a deep dive on Janeway. So Janeway, the character, is in her early 40s when the show started. But the actor was only in her mid-30s, believe it or not.
2: Sure. Her voice ages her up a lot.
1: Yeah. And she's got some pretty matronly hairstyles going on, especially in season yes. one. She's got that big old bun. Uh, her dad is an admiral. Which I guess is mm-hmm. how she becomes an admiral later instead of doing 20 to life.
2: Well, we know about Starfleet.
1: Yeah. Connections, man.
2: Yeah. She served under Paris's dad.
1: Yep. She was previously a science officer, even a chief science officer. Those are just things that Marjan was reading off of Memory Alpha or whatever. Sure. Uh, I think the ring that Chaco was fighting in got all twisted. <laughs> At some point. It could
2: have. A lot of stuff happened in there. It was
1: geometrically a different shape at one point when he was fighting Kid Chaos. Uh, Marjan asked why Chaka was wearing a shirt in the ring. Like it wasn't completely obvious why.
2: <laughs> yeah. so Dude was not cut. Alright? He wasn't yeah, going to walk out there with his 8-pack. Uh, he was training to box uh-huh. in those days. But he didn't feel like he was he, that he was in good enough shape to credibly look like he was a boxer, and he wore a shirt the whole time. He had asked them to give him, like, three weeks to presumably get real dehydrated.
1: Yep, yeah, lose all that water weight.
2: Right? Like, that's what you would do if you wanted to look cut. Yep. Um, But they didn't, so they just sprung it on him, and so that's how that ended up <laughs> happening, and that's not nice. Not a nice thought.
1: But she asked me why, and I just looked at her like, what? You know why? (laughs) What do you mean? Because he doesn't look like... sorry. Did you uh, ever look at Chakotay and think underneath that outfit is just an absolute... He's just cut as hell? Because he looks pretty puffy under there. I'm just going to be honest. Now, that is... the, The version of the jumpsuit
2: that they wear in Voyager is the least flattering version.
1: Maybe that's why they kept writing those things in the script about how fat Tom Paris and Harry Kim had become.
2: Yeah, I saw Paris in this one. I I remembered that, and I looked at him, and I said, "You're not fat at all."
1: No, I haven't noticed either of them being fat. I mean, they're not. not no. they're not jacked in the odds. Like Harry
2: Kim's got a round face, and together with a shapeless jumpsuit. Yeah. Right. You know, but it's like, no, nah, he's not
1: fat. Yeah, that's not fat. They're not jacked in the odds, but they are not. You know, they're not. They're not, they're not right. big dudes either. So, no. Anyway, uh, that was it for me. But yeah,
2: yeah. Uh I was really what an uninspiring teaser. It's just Chakotay <laughs> screaming, the words chaotic space, and then the words graviton shear, which by the way, Balana says it with a very odd intonation.
1: <laughs> well, she uh, wrote the and script and that's 30, her only line, and that's it. So. <laughs>
2: th- yeah, exactly. Then thirty thirty seconds and then credits. Um Price Jones versus Gull Tullet. Yep. Um Price Jones, pretty good name. It's not bad. Well, I like that. That does seem like the name of a character that would show up in Babylon 5. <laughs> or be named as a boxer in Babylon 5.
1: Yeah. They'd be talking about that was the guy that Walker Smith yeah. beat uh, in whatever. to unify whatever belts or whatever.
2: Exactly. Uh,
1: Notice I didn't say Walker Keel.
2: Schmolles gets knocked out. Or uh, Chikotak gets knocked out in the holodeck and wakes up in sickbay with a real bad Shiner, and no one says anything about the holodeck safeties.
1: I thought someone was. I thought that was going to be a a point that someone was going to make, because I forgot where this episode really went. I thought someone was going to be like, uh, you know, what are you doing? Uh, is something wrong? Are you? Is everything okay? Like, Why are you fighting with the holodeck safeties off? But no one talks about it at all.
2: It's like we never see in any episode of Star Trek that I'm aware of the holodeck safeties work or do anything. Sure. Don't know how they should work at all, but, like, you shouldn't be able to knock you out. If you get knocked out, mm-hmm. y- your brain's hitting the inside of your skull. Yes, uh, you are at
1: risk for brain injury. Yeah.
2: Well, no one mentions it. <laughs> um, The great, great writers of this great, great show gave Garrett Wong the line, I'm picking up a lot of raw data. <laughs> What's anyone supposed to do with that?
1: He's picking it up.
2: If someone said that to me, I would say, you're fired. (laughs) What do you mean you're picking up a lot of
1: raw You wouldn't shout back at him, extrapolate?
2: I mean, maybe synthesize. (laughs) Synthesize. I might turn and say, what do you want me to do with that (laughs) thing you just said? Aren't you constantly picking up raw data? Yeah, what do you is mean? It, even when the sensors say there's nothing out there, isn't that data? Isn't that the exact same amount of data?
1: <laughs> While you were explaining that, the ship would be torn apart by Grafitachi uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> You'd go on yeah, a long rant until the end of the episode.
2: That's yes, exactly. I would have uh, traded something important for something that is not. Exactly correct. Yes. <clears throat> What's up with Chicote's furniture? in his bedroom he has like six terracotta colored armchairs and they're all facing in different directions <laughs> they're not like arranged around anything and why are there so many Well, uh, his people did he think that he was gonna have a lot of mutiny circles in there but then it just never happened his people
1: have a kind of uh feng shui that they <sighs> believe in don't ask what kind I mean, of people that, prob- that probably is the answer don't don't ask well they don't know what kind
2: uh the doctor puts a cortical monitor on Chicote.
0: Hmm.
2: Right on his throat. <laughs> wait, wait. Right wait. on the left side of his throat. You know you mid, can midway, put it there. Sort of in the in the area of the jugular vein, midway between the uh, carotid artery and the windpipe.
1: <laughs> I wonder well, if he was picking I wonder if he was picking up a lot of raw data from that. A cortical
2: monitor. <laughs> so it should Logically monitor a cortex.
1: No, nope.
2: This, maybe the cerebral. Anyway, right on his throat. You yeah. Did Chakotay grow up on that weird blue planet, where it was dark and blue all the time, and it was a lot of caves?
1: Yeah, because in his memories with his dad, he was tramping around in some jungle. Yeah, but it was normal colored. Yeah, I don't. So I'm confused about the blue caves for sure. Maybe yeah, there were like, blue caves on that, that jungle world, and that's where his grandpa hung
2: out. I don't know. Is that because this is half hallucination, or, like, did they move from the blue cave planet? Like, Well, it would be nice I if they told us, the mock, isn't it? They could have been resettled at some point, right?
1: Man, actually, now you mention it. Is his grandfather, the guy who says the cards jacked him around in the past? He
2: was, uh, let's say, a similar type.
1: Okay. <laughs> Because I know uh, he was in. Um, I know his grandfather was in the episode with the Mugato of TOS. Was he really? <laughs> he was one of those guys, you know, with oh, Tyree and and all the fucking other guys. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about.
2: Ned Romero, the one where at the end,
1: the one where at the end Kirk uh, uh, beams down all those Flint locks.
2: <sighs> shit, dude. He sure is the leader of the Tribal Council for the Native American Society on Dorvan 5. But I wonder
1: if he was in... um... I wonder if he was in TNG, too. Let me see. What was his name? Would you say his name was Ned Romero? Oh, no. No, that's what I'm saying.
2: He, He is in Journey's End. Oh, man. So I was right. Yeah, you're 100% right. Oh, he's both Chicote's grandfather and the leader of the tribal council. Okay.
1: But that guy doesn't have a tattoo. All right. Well, now I'm glad that I said that. Because in my head, I was just like, those two guys seem similar. But no, it was that guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Well, anyway, that's that how it's like. Rough. It's like how throughout the 90s. Every movie that had any Native Americans, it just had the same five actors. Just over and over yeah. and over again. So
2: And he was Krell in a Private Little War.
1: That's the Mugato one, right? Or is that another other different TOS? A
2: private little war? Uh, Matt, that's the one with the flintlocks. Okay, good.
1: That's what I thought. That's that's yeah. the one I remembered this guy was in.
2: Yeah. Uh the doctor has the line, Chakotay's bad gene gave them the opportunity. <laughs> and that's real judgmental. It
1: really is. I didn't know there was good and bad genes in, uh, in the medical sciences. I guess there are. Yeah.
2: I don't have um, actual medical training, especially in something like genetic counseling. Sure. I'm guessing, though, that they probably tell you someplace pretty early on. Uh, don't refer to it as a bad <laughs> gene.
1: Wait. If so, you've got
2: a kid in there with Down syndrome, don't say, your kid's got bad chromosomes. <laughs> in,
1: so in genetic counseling, they don't like spin your chair around and get real close to your face and go, you've got bad genes.
2: No, I would imagine not. <laughs> Scream right in your face. Uh, then all the flashbacks, um, which uh, you correctly point out are like the news radio baseball promo. Mm-hmm. Real low rent version of an orb vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because instead Uh, of playing, like, emotionless robots or whatever the prophets are being, um, these guys are all playing little characters. And that's much worse. (laughs)
2: Uh, I know that only takes us about three quarters the way through the episode, but my brain really melted just even trying to describe it. So, yeah, I gave Best Actor 2 no standouts. Sure. (laughs) and uh worst actor uh, i thought when chakotay was uh, scared of turning into a crazy old man he seemed mad
1: yeah <laughs> he so was So that was a puzzling choice for angry me. at the inevitability of becoming an old coot
2: yeah oh damn that's damn near an hour that's um, all right
1: We're let's do three hours of star trek we only got three episodes to talk about <laughs>
2: think we're gonna i listen i can't imagine we're gonna get out of this next one clean well especially
1: because that episode we both described as being too hard to pay attention to (laughs) and we still talked for an hour
2: (laughs) it was baffling (laughs) and by the way voyager has a uh, we'll talk about the scores at the end (laughs) voyager has scored worse than that a lot of times oh
1: yeah no 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 it's because they had kind of a take that we gave them sort of take points
2: (laughs) um second place last week was tng Uh, This week we watched
0: Violations.
2: (laughs) The Enterprise is on one of their many very boring mapping surveys. Mm. But luckily to distract everyone, they're also transporting a contingent of Yulian telepaths. And they are using their special skills... To help Keiko remember her grandmother's ink brush writing. Mm-hmm. Uh the old man in the group. Hold on.
1: Tarman? Yeah, and I—I I have to admit, I was wrong last time we talked about it. I was like, "Is that the? Uh, was that the guy who just died, Sorvino?" Sorvino. But no, oh, Sorvino? It's, it's not. It's not. It's just some other old guy. Sorvino, we know, is yeah. Worf's brother, but. Uh,
2: right. But maybe no one else. So he was too young to be Tarmin. Yeah. <clears throat> at the time um anyway tarman uh then teases that he's read something in beverly's mind and everyone tells him and that's a big no-no you can't just read anybody's mind Hmm. but then everyone fucking laughs it off when he says he can't help himself around beautiful women so you know this is pre-me too or at least uh at this point in the federation there's another reckoning due
1: yeah it's it's pre-me too but not too distant from an old man's fantasy so we're definitely still in that zone (laughs)
2: It is in that ballpark, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Data doesn't understand why this is uh, even remotely interesting to anyone, because he can just remember whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Um,
1: can he, Picard
2: has a kind of casual dinner. Like, everybody is invited, but nobody's in dress uniforms, or... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's clearly not a big deal.
1: It's, yeah, it's not a diplomatic soiree, for sure.
2: Uh, both Tarman and his son, Jev... uh bloviate about their fancy interracial memory library Mm. and beverly tries to tease picard into doing a memory session and the old guy tarman is just way too enthusiastic about this memory retrieval that they do and he also gives his son a bunch of shit (laughs) about how he sucks as a memory seer and he spent six hours trying to get a memory from some minors. And then he went in there for like one, like 15 minutes. Yep. And he got memories of the stuff from 50 years ago or whatever. Uh, and Jeff storms out. And Troy goes out to talk to him because she fucking gets it. Yeah. We've all met her mom. Mm-hmm. She's like, listen, I was having hardcore flashbacks in there about my own mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, she specifically mentions she can't read Yulian's, so this is not a I sensed he was pissed. This is nope. a, this old man sucks a hundred balls, and that guy stormed out, and no one even said anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is ba- basic empathy. Yeah, exactly. This is what she's doing here. Um, And they they talk in a turbo lift, whatever. Then she puts on her sleep lingerie. Yes, yes, as always. <laughs> but as she's brushing her hair... She starts having weird visions. They're like memories, but we see them. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, some night that Riker almost pounded her raw right on the floor yeah. on all of his poker chips and
1: everything. In his fucking silk casual clothes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Satin, I mean, satin for sure.
2: Uh, And for some reason in this memory, she was like, we can't. We're on the same ship and I'm also i a senator. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> hundred percent as if they don't fuck mm, i'd say every three weeks probably yeah that's, is my guess feels like a good that's average. sort of the feeling i get about it yeah um but the memory gets real rapey and Riker <laughs> is replaced by jev oh boy <clears throat> well she spills hot chocolate on her satin nighty and passes out mm, when they find her crusher can't work out why she's in a coma and even dr martin the doctor that's always been there on the ship that yeah, we I know him know and love I
1: know Mark him Morgan he's always been, a first name he's always been there one and two he's done a lot of fine work
2: mhm mm-hmm. well even he's stumped yeah uh Picard and Crusher think maybe the Yulians brought a virus or something onto the ship cuz they didn't see the memory uh so Riker goes to ask them if they will submit to a checkup and Jev is intensely creepy during the interview <laughs> and very combative. But agrees, like it's so bad that when Riker gets up, he just says "good" and storms out or whatever. He
1: almost talks. He almost says "good" over what the guy's saying. He's so eager to get yep. away from him.
2: He's like, "I've had fucking, I've had an ass full of this guy, and I got what I wanted out of him. So good." <laughs> um. Also, Riker's in a bad way. Yeah, he goes to talk to. Uh, the comatose Troy uh, referencing the way she sat with him during his coma in Shades of Mm Grey. He's fucking in tatters. I was sure that Frakes must have directed this episode based on this big acting scene he does. And then the fact that he
1: spends the rest of the episode in a coma would be helpful. (laughs) Yeah, that (laughs) that also would be helpful too.
2: Um, Then he goes to do some paperwork at his desk and he starts having a vision of... A coolant leak, mm. and uh, ensign Keller getting stuck behind the big garage door in engineering. Did he
1: or she ever get stuck?
2: Yeah, uh, and Jeb is all over this vision too. Although Jeb is replacing an ensign who got real ma- or ensign or crewman who got real mouthy with right. <laughs> he was <not laughs> during cool this about incident. It. It hasn't
1: Sean Aston, what's his name? The guy who's the one of the hobbits. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, that guy. This guy had yeah, looked like him below. <laughs> this guy got right up in Riker's grill about how it was his fault that Ensign Kellard was beefing it right now as we speak.
2: Uh, we don't see it, but I assume when Riker wakes up, the first thing he did was have that guy fired.
1: <laughs> if he had not already, you're right. It was too yeah. chaotic at the time. He didn't think about it. Yes, but in his right. memory, this guy stands. And now out. In his
2: memory's like, oh, huh, that guy really was yelling at the first officer of this <laughs> ship. Um. Anyway, Jeff's all over that vision, too. Yeah. Riker passes out, um, but he doesn't have to lie in hot chocolate all night because Picard wanted to call him right at that moment. So they, they figure out he's in a coma right away. Not that it was a flat, it was just a cut before, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, yep. called him right at the time. Beverly has uh, cleared the Ulians. They don't have a virus. That theory's is out the door. Also, the thing Troy has looks like something called illicine syndrome, but it's not it's not that there's no illocene on board for whatever, for, for one thing. And also the weird patterns in their brains are in the memory region. Yeah. So Picard goes to have another chat with the Ulians. They agree to be monitored during a memory session the next day, but before that can happen, um, there or well, while we're waiting for that to happen, um, Beverly and Dr. Martin scan Keiko, and she comes up normal. Geordi asks the computer to track down anything else that could be causing it. He can't find anything. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Martin goes home for the night, and Beverly starts having a vision. And her vision is going with Picard to identify her husband's body. And they've given Picard hair.
1: (laughs) They decided that was something that was prudent.
2: And put him in the old uniform so that we know it's in the past. Mm-hmm. And they make no effort to make Beverly look younger or different in any way.
1: No, I mean her hair is straighter. She doesn't have. She hasn't had a blowout that day. Blow up, blow yeah. up. Gl- yeah, whatever. Hair terms.
2: Like I don't know what I wanted them to do. I'll put
1: braces on her or something. Well, but like, I they don't have a do a lot anything. to say about Beverly's hair in every scene in this episode. So, <laughs> I mean, I named <laughs> it's a big hair episode. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I named my notes chapter one eleven wig continuity so <laughs> it was on my mind <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway you know how this goes Picard becomes
2: Jav Beverly passes out mm-hmm. they got they got no they have no better guesses than listen this started happening when the Yulians came on board Beverly said something about memory regions and these guys are the memory people sure so he has Data and Jordy uh go through all of the places these guys have visited before yep like see if there are any other unexplained comas there uh but Troy wakes up again and she can't remember her vision she's scared Picard goes and asks the Yulians to voluntarily stay in their quarters mm. um but at this point Jeff pipes up and says well, why don't we do a memory retrieval on Counselor Troy and see if she can tell us what happened to her?
1: Yeah, a that'll memory,
2: vindicate us, he says.
1: Memory retrieval of the thing that happened to her, which we already know was a memory. So we're yes, we know true. at home this is going to be a memory retrieval of a memory. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs>
2: um, and Jordy and Data are uh, they don't find any evidence. Of unexplained comas on the planets that have sent their data, but they do find cases of irisin syndrome, which they think are probably misdiagnosed.
1: Yeah, now let me tell you: if Troy hadn't been in a coma, she would have been in on this. And how much better is it with Jordy? <laughs> Jordy and well, Data? Well, they figure
2: something out. All... Jordy pipes up with a helpful solution. My
1: God, Jordy and Data a thousand times <laughs> better than Troy and Data. <laughs>
2: um. But before they can go and say, hey, it actually does look a little fishy about these guys, these guys they've started the procedure on Troy. Yeah. And Jev is doing the retrieval. Tarman doesn't want anything to do with it at this point. And she starts telling about what happened in her quarters and the memories. Except this time,
1: she remembers Tarman doing
2: it instead of Jev. Oh,
1: and we at home cannot... I was going to say... I, we are not left to wonder whether it was Tarman all along and, and we this is a cool double, triple switch or cross or whatever, because we saw the teaser where Jeff looked angrily That's at right. someone after they left, at, at Troy after she left the quarters or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now now they've got Tarman locked up. Enterprise has taken the Yulians to Starbase 440. Jeff says... Uh, the authorities there will cooperate and they'll help you prosecute him, whatever you want to do. As usual, Picard doesn't know <sighs> any law to fit the crime.
1: Mm, I laughed out loud when he said it. <laughs> it was amazing. It was He's like a fucking broken record. <laughs> he does not want to prosecute any aliens at all. He is sick of the paperwork or something. This dude is a fucking cop who does not want to appear in court yep. oh, To yeah. uh,
2: for a contested speeding ticket all the way at Starbase 440 or wherever the hell the Yulians live that's right He's he just wants to get these guys off his ship and fucking and you know what if they uh, rape
1: another people out there not his problem
2: that's right and by the way Riker and Beverly are still in comas at this point I, I just yeah. want to say that I, well, like he, I, hold on hold on this guy is like we'll help Troy recover yeah. Like our, we have doctors th- there haven't been any rapes like this on my planet in 300 years but don't worry we'll help Troy recover and he he Picard doesn't uh, Picard's like ah, I don't fucking care get out of here Riker and Beverly are still unconscious. <laughs> no,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I have notes about that as well. Okay, <laughs> um,
2: but at this point the twist: Jordy and Data work out that Tarman wasn't on one of the planets mm-hmm. that experienced unexplained comas.
1: But who and, was man?
2: Yeah, well, you know who was there is uh, our boy Jeff, and Jeff. Is in Counselor Troy's quarters. Yep. <sighs> he's gone there to apologize or whatever, and he touches her face before turning to leave.
1: Man, he must have found Just, that in somebody's log or how does he Oh he he's a mind reader. He knows what he he can't He is do. a mind
2: reader. And she can't read his mind. Yeah. And she's slow on the uptake. <laughs> uh she notices that he's upset. And when she's like, Man, are you okay though? He goes full in cell on her. <laughs> And starts talking about, why did you have to be so lovely? And, and nice. And you're so sweet and nice. Well, he starts violating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he, ter- he flips the violate switch for sure.
2: But this time, she fights him off and hits him with a pad and stuff. And luckily, this is when Data and Worf and a security team shows up, show up. And uh, Jev catches a palm heel strike from Worf. Yeah. And Worf is morally certain that that's put this telepath out. Uh, I
1: mean, Starfleet training at its finest. Yeah, Always got to like, give
2: him immediately, that pop strike. He has fully neutralized him, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a captain's log, we learn that Riker and Beverly have awakened. Oh, good. And then we cut back where Tarman is now telling them his best doctors will be standing by to help. Even though it's been 300 years since the last instance of in this <laughs> form of rape. And then Picard says to them, everyone is. Everyone has to fight this urge Mm. every day constantly we all have to fight it and we have to remain vigilant the
1: end what he doesn't say is it's what makes me such a great captain which is what kirk would have said Uh uh-huh this that's part of me it's it's part it's inside me and that's what makes me such a fine commander
2: oh i mean it is listen that the whole take of mirror mirror is essentially what picard says here with like listen everybody everybody wants to do it everybody wants to right like we don't I get it. It's been a long time in the Federation too. We
1: don't do it. We don't do the rapes, but like, good God, God. I want to do a rape sometimes. Don't isolate this audio. Well, that's what happens in
2: this episode. (laughs) Um, What's the take, Matt?
1: Uh, uh, What Pat Stu said, I guess? Uh, Even among evolved individuals and societies, the seed of violence remains firmly within our psyche or whatever. Yeah. Um, he says it. That's a. I guess I'm gonna give that a four. I mean, I guess um, it's true that as society has advanced and the general crime rate has gone down, there's still people out there that just like their brain don't work the same and they want to do a rape. But I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily true that just all of us out here, like you said, just being like, first chance I get, man, if I can get away with it. <laughs> I got to do this rape. Um yeah, a four for me.
2: Yeah, no, I have the I mean it's exactly the same for me. Uh it's uh, rape and other violent acts are part of our bestial nature, but we can evolve beyond it. Mm. And I'm giving them a lot of credit for sure. that second half. Yes. Because they stumbled so hard on the dismount here. <laughs> yeah, they did. But I think that's what Picard really means to say. Both of their societies have evolved beyond the point where this is a normal <laughs> occurrence. And so we can evolve beyond that, too. And that's a nice thought.
0: Hmm.
2: But how do we get there? That's what would make this a big score. Look, man,
1: I don't know if you heard. He wants these guys off his ship. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's done with it. He's, I get it. he's not really here with solutions. He's ready to move on. Like,
2: we don't see it happening, but every time he closes his eyes, he's back at Wolf 359, and he basically cannot. (laughs) That's right. He's not paying attention to this at all.
1: That's right, exactly. (sighs) (sighs) All right, well, execution then.
2: Yeah, well, it's a lot of flashbacks and visions. Not good. But since they're being induced by a weird alien, I don't feel as bad about it as usual. Like, the flashbacks in the Voyager episode that we were talking about. That's framing device.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: It's not the case here. Um, I just hate them the normal amount. This is an episode about rape. And these TV writers are unqualified to handle it. 100%. And they get a couple of things wrong.
1: This uh, this room full of uh, middle-aged men in the yep. 1990s? They're not... The early yep. 90s? They're not prepared for this one? Nope. Okay. Um.
2: Just as a for instance tarman's take is like look no one understands how someone could do something so horrible and picard says we all have to fight that urge all day every day (laughs) but two-thirds of the violations that we see are entirely non-sexual and it does seem like jev is drawn by the control aspect of playing in people's memories Mm. and so at least there's you know that that take is Eh, okay. Yeah,
1: well, geez, I wish told they told us about all, his motivations. they can't go all the way on it. I wish they uh-huh. had told us, like, what, why he was doing the things he was doing. Because yeah, then we could get into it, but that's not really a part of it. Right. And don't worry, they still make him touch Troy's face
2: a bunch mm-hmm. and tell her how lovely she is. So That's right. It's still, it's still fairly sexual. <laughs> yeah. They try a lot of camera tricks. The music is very melodramatic this week. Yeah. They're definitely trying to do a thing here. I didn't think too much of it. I gave it a... Okay.
1: Just in terms of the take that I gave, that Pat Stu gave. See, man, these dudes seem very friendly and full of, like, I don't know, like, evolved spirituality and shit. They were, like, big white robes with triangle cutouts. Like, they could never do an MR, but then, turns (laughs) out the young one has got so many MRs in him. So that's where the take comes from. Um... Is this? It's, that, it's like they
2: don't quite connect the dots here right yeah they do not but apparently his dad is constantly telling him how bad he is at getting into yes. people's memories so is, and so he goes out and proves it Yes, yeah, so is that the
1: motivation they wish they'd tell us what's happening wish they would have told us yeah Uh, I said, is this just to remind us that even the rich nerds in our lives might need to be watched a bit more closely because like I already fucking know that Maybe the people weren't as experienced with the um the tech billionaire as we are today. Yeah. yeah. Um again, they pulled out all the camera and audio tricks for well's first Rikers hallucination, which was pure nineties trash. <laughs> Slow motion Geordie shouting and like the screen gets all warped and his head's misshapen and stuff and but then also they did The this... five foot six guy is right in his face. <laughs> they did the same thing with Crusher's. Lots yeah. of audio. Like Picard's voice gets all modulated and everything. It
2: oh, just... they did stuff like Picard and Crusher in that scene are standing on a camera dolly so that they.
1: Yeah, they move through the halls. Are, they move in
2: a kind of a floaty way it's through the so halls. Right? It's so 90s. I know it's
1: early yeah. 90s, but it's so 90s. Um,. Like, there's a lot of Twin Peaks happening this week. Yeah, exactly. Um, Picard was clearly having a hard time figuring out this mystery ailment that only affects the build main cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) Usually there's at least one nobody who gets something wrong with them, but now was just...
2: Yeah, they didn't even have Rosalind Chow (laughs) go into a coma. That's right.
1: Again, Picard, he did it again, man. Nah, man, we don't have such a crime here, so I think you're good. They've it's been wild. I will talk more about it later. Um. So did this dude wanna be caught, or it's just a, too powerful a compulsion to do the mind rapes? Because like he got away with it, framed his yeah. mean dad, all that shit. He's literally about to walk off of the ship. And right.
2: Then, he doesn't know that Jordy and Data yeah. have secretly got him pegged. He's on I mean, the he's way. A telepath. Maybe he does but he's
1: on the way to the transporter room or whatever.
2: He stops by to say bye to Troy, but then Uh she has to be nice to him.
1: It's just like, he just got to do another R just one more for the road. Yep. Uh, I said, just like you, always said, what happened to Franks and crusher? I see Troy, there getting an apology and stuff, but like, where are the other two? Is anyone going to talk about it? Are they still in a coma? Does anyone know how to get them out? Anything, anything at all? (laughs) No one talked about it. Uh, again, was there a longer script that explained the guy's motivation better? Frank's got got, I'm assuming because the guy knew that he and Troy were still pretty intimate and that Frank's was, he was giving him the Groppler look or something. So he took him yeah. out. But then like, yeah, I, he got I crusher know, to slow down. Any... He did,
2: it did happen right after that scene where yeah. they have that angry conversation
1: then he he got Crusher maybe to slow down progress on the investigation because he didn't know Jordy was on the case or whatever. Right. I just but they don't say anything about it. We know why he got Troy. He's a creep but like I don't really they don't talk about the rest of it at all. I'm guessing they came in over. I'm guessing the TNG problem was they always came in over. (laughs) And so
2: uh, there were no background notes to that effect this week but you know there's a this is older, and this I, I think this was a show they all wanted to forget. Honestly, so.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I want to forget.
2: I mean, it had it still had way more notes than you know a random episode of Enterprise, which rarely had any background notes on it.
1: Well, I don't think anyone was taking notes at the time, so I don't, I don't see why anybody exists now. Uh, just a three for me. Not the, not one of the better TNGs for sure, but it's one of the one fifty. World building. Uh, these telepathic historians who probe people's minds for memories and details and stuff. Not all Yulians can probe for memories. It takes some special training, I guess. Troy can't read them. Irazine syndrome. <sighs> Despite having lots of contact with many telepathic species since the before the founding of the Federation. Picard seems to think that there is no crime on the books for telepathic mind invasion scenarios, and that oh. seems so unlikely.
2: It's just not. It's just like there couldn't possibly not be. Yeah, a crime. I mean, like you couldn't you couldn't charge Kev- uh, Kevin Uxbridge with murder, even if you can't, even
1: if you don't have a specific crime for genocide. Yeah, even if you don't have a genocide crime, which uh, come on, this is the Federation. Of course they do. But yeah, you could have got him for murder. You could have got him up for a billion, a trillion counts of murder or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, they talk about some of this stuff in Enterprise. Like, there are Vulcans who violate other Vulcans and stuff. Like, it's, it's. I know that's a show that came after. But what I'm saying is, in-universe, I find it very unlikely that there is no crime for this. Um, yeah. But either way, Babylon 5 did it better. I gave it a one for world building. <sighs>
2: Um, I'm a one also, uh, b- boring star surveys that no one on the ship is interested in. Riker says the most interesting thing they've seen here is a binary star. Boy, a thing which is so common yeah. in the actual universe that I think he gave it a bad reading and he should have played up much more how boring this place was. Yeah. He
1: didn't know the Frank doesn't know.
2: Yeah. Uh, performance reviews. I don't know if this is the first <laughs> time. That the uh, that the idea that Riker and Troy do performance reviews together has come up, Could but be. they go back to the well a couple of times at least. Mm-hmm. A Syndrome. I don't see this episode as telling us very much about the world of Star Trek, frankly.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine there's anything in here that we're going to have to worry about anywhere down the road. And as far as
2: characterization goes. I mean, the most interesting idea here is that Riker and Troy have maybe been holding back. Sure. And that, but that he absolutely needs her to survive. He's like 100% shattered
1: in sickbay when she's in a coma. Yeah, man. I mean, he's still getting over the loss of Minuet. He can't handle this.
2: Yeah. And this business with Picard and the laws to fit crimes has to stop. <laughs> Um, But I do have a question for you with regard to characterization. Did you feel like Beverly was a little flirty with that other doctor?
1: Oh, Dr. um, Always been there? Dr. Martin? Dr. Martin? Yeah. I felt like they had a little energy. Uh, I didn't necessarily pick that up. I was was distracted by her hair, I have to be honest. (laughs) You did mention that. (laughs)
2: I, you know, character-wise, um, as you say, it's good to have Jordy on the oh, case. Oh, man, this is a good uh,
1: Jordy episode.
2: This dude can solve a problem in his sleep. Like, literally, he'll sit up and figure <laughs> something out sometimes in his sleep. When Especially when he sleeps in his uniform.
1: Especially when but in his sleep, his dream is just data. the audio being replayed verbatim of a thing he heard earlier yep. in the day. Yep. <laughs>
2: Anyway, he can fucking work it out. He probably did a hundred other Sherlock Holmes with Data that we didn't see in the holodeck. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's he is the detective, and it, it's good that um, we had him instead of
1: the normal dream team. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we didn't see those other mysteries. They fucking love their Sherlock Holmes.
2: And Data has fucking no emotions this week. He's like, why do you guys give a shit about memories? <laughs> yep. That's nothing.
1: Honestly, I lost a lot of respect for all of you. Yeah. After witnessing that.
2: Uh, and I don't have any character notes for Keiko. Um, except that the actress maybe doesn't know how to pronounce uh, Obachan.
1: chan uh, Definitely doesn't. Marjan made fun of it as soon as she said it. And I said, let's please try to keep in mind that the last name of this actress is not Japanese. It's Chow. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so... So
2: character-wise, I gave it um, three points.
1: Oh, okay, we're a little bit off. I thought this was such a good Jordy episode that I gave it a six. Okay,
2: well, like I said, I like Jordy too.
1: I gave it a fat six. (laughs) Big fat six. Data doesn't know what Jordy did on his birthday either, and Data would have told him all about it if he knew. So I'm guessing Jordy was avoiding Data on that birthday.
2: (sighs) I think Jordy's last birthday might have been spent on a beach in the holodeck and no one showed up.
1: (laughs) Just Jordy by himself. Uh, I like it when they show us Geordi trying to get to the bottom of something. He's de- he goes through it first just with him and the computer, but he seemed ticked off at the computer a bit too quickly. Like
2: I agree. Was he
1: already in a fight with the computer earlier that day?
2: Listen, he has been trying to get the
1: computer to play that
2: one song about London Town <laughs> the whole time he's been on the Enterprise.
1: He don't fuck with the computer no more. He's worked through like twenty five songs to talk all about London Town. It's just not the right one. He keeps saying to the computer, "More sultry." He said Riker when Riker said that, it was perfect.
0: <laughs>
1: Never works.
2: He's a, look. He's bad at the. He's bad at getting the computer to play the right music he wants. Always takes several tries.
1: That's true. Uh, but anyway, and, yeah.
2: Also, the computer can't get the lighting right for him either. So he's mad at this computer most of the time. Yeah, he
1: was already mad. He was mad before they started that conversation. Clearly. Do
2: you know what I think the problem is? He has to fix it.
1: Yeah, like, I get it. The computer is his responsibility. He can't just go, "Fucking computer."
2: Yeah, it's like it's like if uh, Katie or you or somebody has a problem with a computer and I can't fix it. Mm. That, that irritates me.
1: Oh sure. Like.
2: My my whole I just computers all day. That's my whole goddamn job,
1: <laughs> and everyone knows it. Yep. And I just tell random people on the street if they're like anyone who talks about having a bad computer, I'm like, call my brother, man. I I know a guy <laughs> that does computer stuff all day. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh. Again, Jordy has the idea to look for erosine syndrome on other planets visited by the Ulians, and that pans out. So good good episode for Jordy. He was all over it. Um. What was Beverly getting at trying to get Picard to do a memory retrieval? Uh-huh. Was the, What was she Was she talking about something specific? I yeah, I couldn't tell, because she needled the fuck out of him. Like, was she going to try
2: to get him to remember um, that time that girl stood him up in the cafe? <laughs> was she going to be Wait, like... Did she stand him up, or did he not even go?
1: He didn't even go. He didn't even go. He yeah. was afraid of women and sex. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah,
2: yep, yep, yep.
1: Um... Was she going to be like, ask him about his horniest memory or something? Like, I don't know what she was going to do. <laughs> ask him about the first time he saw me. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be all about her. Um, Troy says she can't read Julian's, so she must have just connected the dots on this asshole dad and his weird son.
2: I mean, again, it's a strong parallel to her own life. Then <laughs> this dude starts big dogging her and his son in front of everybody.
1: She's like, yep, I get it. As always, Troy gets extra you, dulled you know,
2: up we, we don't see it, but you know Luoxana is constantly telling people Troy is only an empath
1: Oh yeah, that's probably true For sure, oh you know, she can't uh, She can't really read oh, you don't, their thoughts You don't want her, you want me you yeah. She's not going to be able to do it I don't know you if you me. knew this, but I'm basically royalty And she's just like, she's a havesy. You get it Also, it was weird that this old guy talked about how Jeff needed to find a husband, and he wasn't going to find a husband this way. Uh Uh-huh. All that shit came out, too.
2: He constantly calls him little one. Yep.
1: As always, Troy gets extra dolled up before she goes to sleep, does up her hair real good, and wears, Uh wears her sexiest negligee to just lay on those uncomfortable pillows and nasty shimmery blankets and shit. Maybe she Uh has to do that to feel good enough to go to bed in that shitty bed.
2: I mean, probably, but, like, you can't wear satin in those sheets. You'll start a fire. (laughs) It's
1: true. The friction's going to be crazy in there.
2: (laughs) Am I wrong about that? It doesn't seem like that could work. I mean, nothing's going to work. It's like either that or you'll slip right out of the bed like it's oiled.
1: Honestly, I would oil it. I would oil it. I can't figure out how I would sleep in that nasty bed. I feel like anything you choose is not going to work. Um, Can I
2: get a real flat triangle pillow please It should be no
1: more than an inch and a half thick It sucks so bad All of the actors constantly look uncomfortable Using it Yeah, They can't even pretend it's comfortable Um,
2: Uh, Whose sleep outfits are more ridiculous Troy's diaphanous gowns Or (laughs) Riker's corduroy pajamas
1: (laughs) Well what about Picard's little robe
2: I assume he takes the robe off when he actually gets into bed and he
1: just sleeps in the little shorts. Oh God, it could be. Actually, I think we've seen him put on the robe, so I think you're right. Yeah. Um. Despite being maybe five foot one, uh, Troy goes to work on this fucking point extra in a heavy robe. Yep. He is not having a good time even before Worf gets there. No, no, I think she could have handled it. I think frankly. she was going to win that one. <laughs> yeah. So extra points for Troy as well. Sometimes you just, like... On TNG especially, they're kind of punching bags for the bad guys. Like, how many times have we seen Worf just get blasted, and you're like, what is the point of him? What does Worf do? Yeah. Why is he always getting blasted by the Ferengi of the week or whatever?
2: Yeah, I mean, his job is to put the alien of the week over, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. He's the big show. Uh, So it was nice to see her just kick the crap out of this dude. Um, Riker gives Jev all of his shittiest looks. He does. He, he was like... I mean, a, Jeff
2: has a bad attitude from the jump, but uh-huh. like,
1: he, Riker gives it, serves it to him right back. He was like a mockingbird, just singing every song out there, just all in a row, but all of his shittiest, groppliest looks. <laughs> this guy was definitely awkward as fuck, like a weird little nerd, but um, Riker was able to pick off that he was pure evil, I think. I think when Worf went in there and found Riker he was slumped over a pad that read uh, Jeff eats a big poop breakfast with a glass of pee cause he fucking <laughs> exactly. hated this guy <laughs>
2: uh, then he goes to school where he's stupid again <laughs> he's stupid
1: again <laughs> he's stupid again uh-huh. uh huh um, anyway so I, uh, I enjoyed Troy beating that dude's ass and Jory doing good work um, I give it a six you know what? You've talked me up a point. There you go. There you go, TNG. TNG needs the points. Yeah. For sure. Especially in
2: characterization. Actually, let me just double check. Yeah, what does Landrew say? I mean, Landrew says they have the best average in characterization by a wide margin. Oh, there you
1: go. <laughs> I believe that.
2: Uh, they, their average, which includes this episode because Landry updates in real time, is mm. uh, 93 for characterization. Ooh, less than five apiece. <laughs> TOS,
1: eight and a half. I love that Deep they're Space nine, far and away 8. the leader 2. getting less than five per person.
2: Yeah, well, Voyager's three points less than that. Dang Actually, well. more than three. They're at a 6.19.
1: That Voyager. is believable there. Yeah. I can't give them
2: points. an And Enterprise, whose idea of characterization was all of these people hate each other, was a <laughs> 6.8. So. <sighs> Uh,
1: Yeah, great, great shot at the end of the teaser with the mean mugging Jev. Just showing the whole world how angry and crazy he is. So I guess this was not going to be a mystery this week. (laughs) Jev is the culprit for sure. (laughs) That's why when they make it, uh, uh, whatever the old man's name was. Tarman. Tarman. uh, At first I was like, oh, is this like a double cross? And then I just thought back and went, no, we already saw the guy giving the evil look. We know it's him.
2: They're both they're both kind of shitty in the real world interactions. Mm-hmm. Jev does all the evil looks and has that bad conversation with Riker. Yeah. Tarman is constantly like, I'm not I'm not taking part in this anymore.
1: I'm not doing this. Also I said How
2: dare you accuse me, etc. Et I
1: said the pervy thing earlier and I keep trying to pressure everyone right. to do memory retrievals and and I'm mean to my son and all that shit.
2: It is like they're trying to hedge, like so that maybe you're not sure which version of the memory is altered.
1: hmm But Oh, yeah, I just, just remember ultimately. him in that teaser just being evil. I'm like, okay, I got it. Thanks, guys. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Crusher's hair. Crazier every time she appears on screen this week. <laughs> it's just yes. getting more and more blown out. Where in the last time we see her before she gets in her coma, it is doing some insanely ugly shit that you would not want your hair to do. <laughs> but she just keeps like blowing it up further. <sighs> so I was asking if she was wigging it up again and if so it could be why not use the same wig every scene you know this gates it's wig continuity you've been through this (laughs) please use the same wig every scene
2: like if you're having a hard time remembering what wig you're supposed to be wearing just ask your photo double (laughs) and stand in patricia tallman to help that's right
1: she'll figure it out she's uh she's a redhead she'll figure it out wasn't gates mcfadden really blonde
2: Yes, Gates McFadden. I think is really.
1: That's why I thought in the flashback scene she's using her real hair, because it's way flatter. Stuffing all that hair under a wig. Well, it's like way lighter than her hair in the rest of the episode, and like way flatter unless all blown up like one of her crazy wigs. Yeah, hold on. Let's. uh, (laughs) You gonna see if there's anything in there about that?
2: (laughs) Violation. And then in here, let's uh, control F wig. So I was like oh her
1: hair looks less crazy I mean it looks like kind of hippie almost it's really straight and long but like
2: not only are there no results for the word wig but my computer played a little tune like a Samsung washing machine finishing uh, to tell me there was no wig I was going to
1: say that sounds like a hardware alert
2: <laughs> I mean that could be happening too
1: <laughs> that's like the way the way my work laptop was doing the Atari tune so loud it was fucking giving me headaches <laughs> every time I tried to change the volume on the computer that was wild. I looked it up and it was like, oh, this means your computer's dying. It's pretty going to be dead soon. You should probably get a new computer. Um, That's it for my quick hitters.
2: I mean, I just have a few. You know, number one, fuck the racist that put that music under Keiko's memory. <laughs>
1: yep.
2: They could have made her character Chinese, like I presume Rosalind Chow is, mm-hmm. or they could just have had her not use Japanese words. She could have just <sighs> said grandmother. Would have been fine. It was bad. We didn't need that little bit of color. Yeah. What do you think is funny looking about a Circassian cat mm. on visor vision?
1: Oh man, um, it's uh, it's uh, sort of greenish. Does uh, it have
2: a weird aura? Are they android?
1: No, just kind of greenish, and most of the things he sees are kind of reddish. That's all.
2: Who the fuck is Dr. Martin? <sighs> he's like that. Why do you think they can just throw a doctor in here and <laughs> I mean, it's just like, ah, oh, he's always been there? Especially because we, we know in 75% of crew. episodes,
1: there's no one else in that bag.
2: Right. So there's Dr. Crusher. We know about her. Uh. We've seen Alyssa Ogawa once or twice at this point. Maybe mm-hmm. just once.
1: No, I mean, not in much. In Future
2: Imperfect so far.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and that was in the fake future. Yeah. Dr. Solar maybe is still on the ship, but if so she works nights.
1: Yeah, she gets paged every once in a while in the background.
2: <laughs> yeah. But we ain't seen her since uh, met, uh no, uh fuck. What's the that The Schizoid
1: one? man or whatever. Schizoid
2: man. Yeah. Now Dr. Martin's just kicking around and no one says, "Ah, oh, the new guys here." Yep. Yeah, it's. uh, I know she says she has a staff of twenty six or whatever, and remember me.
1: Such it's incredible bullshit. When she said that, I fucking almost threw threw something at the TV because.
2: Oh, and Simon Tarsus, but we know he probably got cashiered.
1: Nah, he's uh, at the very least he's doing the L duty somewhere. Yeah. Um, Yeah, dude. uh, It was like when they brought that admiral out during the one where Cisco had the visions. And they were like, you know, this is yes. Cisco's best friend, Admiral. What's his name? He's always been around. Their best friends. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah, I don't know. His son's the guy name. guy's beefing with his son, Kevin. <laughs> his, son's... his son's name was Kevin. I think I decided. Yeah. In
2: Beverly's vision,
1: what's this thing on Picard's head? Um. Well, see, uh, Jack died. D- died somehow somehow in a way that also may maybe at the battle of maxia <laughs> that, um, picard Honestly, not sure have a head thing
2: yeah but the, uh, <sighs> he must have died in a way where picard had to make a choice to leave him behind to save someone else yes but you know that from wesley's psych test right so did picard get a little owie on his head he got that device on there
1: yes he yes the 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 incident that killed jack Crusher also gave picard a head is what i'm guessing
2: so it's not like a hair loss treatment that only <laughs> works while you're wearing the device and at some point picard was like fuck it i'd rather be bald
1: yeah it's more embarrassing to wear this thing than to be bald for sure
2: <laughs> honestly everybody looks at me all the time and they're like ah that guy's bald but he doesn't want to be
1: and they didn't even know about the borg yet think like how many borg remarks he'd be getting and how especially since oh yeah he'd be uh for sure yeah.
2: they'd be like um well it's a little acute to see what you got going on there
1: <laughs> yeah but... someone would say it for sure
2: they don't even give the uh the mother or grandmother i wasn't sure mm. in the Yulian party a name nope
1: she's like just the a woman
2: credits she's Her name is like iNad or something, but honestly, no one says it. She has four lines. She mostly just sits there and smiles like she's happy to be on set.
1: Yeah, iNad is what I said the first time the iPad was announced, and I said more like iNad.
2: There you go. (laughs) Uh, As far as actors are concerned, um, Picard gets some good small speeches when he has to go... accuse people of doing crimes but he can't really accuse them because he's got no evidence or right. I'm not so much talking about his little speech at the end, but he has some good little touches in there worst actor is Jev and pick your vision <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah is it I wonder how much of that is <clears throat> it's probably hard to act well in scary visions I wonder if yeah, in any mean, of those I'm horror sure. movies if there's ever any good acting performances in those you know who I bet nails it, Tony Todd. Ah, oh, fucking the Candyman! Hell yeah, man, crushes it. Mm, that's all I'm saying. Candyman was a terrible film.
2: I've never seen it, but I bet
1: it. But bad. Tony Todd was amazing. Yeah.
2: Well, just one to go.
1: Yeah, I know. It seems like we should have we should have to be done by law. Yeah, but it nope. turns out there is no law in the books to fit the crime of this show. <laughs> Not to fit this crime. <laughs>
2: hey we shaved 10 we did 10 fewer minutes on violations (laughs) than we did on the fight so you know we're kind of okay good if if the pattern holds we probably get out of here in uh 220
1: 225 maybe i'd be into it i really would because it's it's late the
2: winner last week despite being a part one of two sure was deep space nine so this week we watched by inferno's light (laughs)
1: And just given how things went with those first two episodes, they got a shot to win both ends of this, so.
2: Yeah, there's there's room. There's room for them on this one.
1: Uh, Kira commands the Defiant, ready to take on the Dominion fleet that has just snored through the wormhole. Uh, but that fleet nopes out and heads straight for Cardassia. Uh, Dukat's Bird of Prey follows, and when Kira calls him to tell him not to be a hero, he explains that... Uh, Oh, by the way, I've been conducting secret negotiations with the Dominion for months now, and Cardassian Dominion are now allies. Uh, you yeah, a Peace. Credits. Uh, let's call this the A-plot and stick with it. <clears throat> okay. Dukat makes a big old televised speech about how the Klingons are ultra-fucked now, and also it's his son's birthday again, and they're hitting the water park for real this time. Mm-hmm. Imposter Bashir, you remember that was a reveal from last time, says uh it's fucking time for more blood screens, um since pff, we obviously got a saboteur on board because that the sabotage at the end last week, I made the wormhole feed on the rays or whatever, and now, and now it cannot be closed. It never be sealed, bro. <laughs> so there uh kira and Zial talk about how disappointed she is in her dad Zial. um then uh, a klingon fleet decloaks at ds9 gowron is already licking his wounds now that the dominion's in the fight and he says she's gonna fortify the empire and await a big fight to the death but Sisko convinces him in roughly five seconds Yep. to sign a new peace treaty with the Federation instead so they can face the Dominion together then we see evil changeling Bashir doing something in a runabout uh, they're not having yeah, any
2: weirdly by the way Bashir is in that scene with Cisco and Garron. yeah it doesn't make any sense that Bashir would be there but I guess it, like, it should be Dax sure right but yeah. she's on the Defiant I
1: guess um, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he is he is in that scene, and then he's in the runabout, you know, tinkering, and they're not having any luck tracking him. And uh, Cisco suggests even using Klingon troops as extra extra security to to catch this changeling.
2: Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It's not really. It doesn't. They don't go into any detail, but it does seem like he frames a Bajoran as the possible changeling.
1: Yeah, there's a Bajoran tech who's missing. Right. Um, Dukat calls Cisco, who takes the call in his office, and Ducat tries to convince Cisco to join the Dominion, and makes at least one decent argument.
2: Uh, definitely a decision Cisco is empowered to make by Starfleet. (laughs) Uh,
1: then he says he's gonna be coming for that station, so you better, you better just join us. Um... So anyway, I guess that's happening now. I guess he's going to come for the station now, immediately. Because Cisco deploys the Defiant and some runabouts. And one of them's piloted by evil changeling Bashir, throwing his voice. Did you know they could do that? I guess it makes sense. They can become the people. But he didn't become the person. He was just still Bashir, but he was throwing his voice. I don't know how it works.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we saw that woman use... Uh... Kira's voice when she looked like Kira so
1: yeah that's I, about guess, a, whatever. I would think you'd have to be the person to sound like them, but I guess that's not how it works yeah they don't really explain the rules do they no um anyway um just then a Romulan fleet decloaks and they request to join the fleet as well so Cisco does not think anything odd about that at all and just says hell yes yahoo the Romulans and then uh, they detect the Cardassian and Dominion ships headed for Bajor, but when they should be like all around them, man, there are no ships to see. It's a trick or a cloak of some time, maybe uh, of some kind, maybe. Um, Doctor Bashir calls from the runabout in the in the Gamma Quadrant, the other runabout, the one that's at we'll the talk prison, about how we got there, the one that's at the prison camp in the B plot. In the B plot, and Cisco suddenly realizes what the fuck's happening. Like he puts it all together instantly in his head.
2: He has that great captain certainty, like in the first season when he announced that if Everyone, they didn't believe in the visions, they wouldn't be real. <laughs> that's right. Everyone just thinks good he's shot, just a hundred
1: percent. He understands what's going on because that's really the true hallmark of a captain. He does a Kirk for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, so he um. He orders the Defiant to destroy the Yukon. That's the runabout carrying the Changeling Bashir. And And
2: four or five unconscious crewmen, by the way.
1: Yeah, he doesn't seem to be worried about that
2: because... There's some martyrs for the cause here.
1: Yeah, because this fucker, this Changeling dude, is heading straight for the Bajoran sun. And I guess he's going to destroy Bajor and DS9 and the whole fleet. And I said at home, baby the wormhole?
2: Yeah, unclear what a supernova would do to the wormhole hub, but couldn't be good. Yeah, it doesn't well, seem like it could be good.
1: I guess maybe it really fed on those rays, so that even a supernova won't do anything. Um, The Defiant does a risky warp inside the solar system and tractors the runabout and tosses it until it blows up, and then Cisco's very proud of himself, despite being tricked yet again by a sworn enemy. <laughs> uh, let's go to the B-plot. That internment camp. you remember this. Bashir shows Worf the transmitter Tain made and suggests Garrick make the modifications that they're going to need to contact the runabout and beam everybody up so they can yeet out of there. Then Avorta comes in and says the Cardassians can all go home because of this new alliance, except for Garrick. Dukat's running the show now in Cardassia and he hates Garrick's ass, so he's got to stay in jail. <laughs> Back in the cell, Garrick's all hidden in the walls, trying to, again, augment this transmitter. When the Jem'Hadar come for Worf, it's Kumite time for him. Yep. They know just by looking at Worf that he's going to be more fun than old one-eyed Martok. So, they ain't even talking to Martok anymore.
2: I mean, to be fair, Martok started out with two eyes.
1: He did start off with two eyes. <laughs> but now they're not even like, he's not even like on the undercard. They just don't even care about nope. him. Yep. Um, and, and yes, right here is where Martok reveals that he lost his eye, uh, to the Jem'Hadar first. Uh, I don't remember what his name was. Uh, Kraken. Kat Katakon. K-
2: Ekatikon. E- Kat- like Katamari that. really pronounces it like he's Aztec or
1: something. <laughs> yeah.
2: I've written it several different ways, including at one point Etxutat. Yes.
1: So. It's uh, you know the Jem'Hadar names. Um. Worf gets in the ring and goes to work. Uh, and they show that they can't get Garrick out of the walls for a while because the Jem'Hadar on duty won't leave. When he finally does, they pull Garrick out, but he's not in good shape. He says he's really hot, but I think there might be more happening here. Uh, Worf beats the first dude down and brags Street Fighter style. But <laughs> the first says that that guy was our worst he has a negative war this season. I can't believe he even landed any blows, honestly. Uh,
2: yeah, the guy warp broke at least three of Warf's ribs. By the way, <laughs> yeah, Warf's in bad shape. He, we don't know how many ribs Warf has. He's got. With, he's got. A repeat.
1: Mean, he's got the redundant ribs.
2: We're uh, we're four episodes out from thinking about those redundancies.
1: Oh god, that's coming up that soon, huh? Okay. Yep. Uh, Worf kills the Demitar in the ring. It's his fifth victory in five matches, but Bashir says Worf has got just so many injuries. Garrick is more than just too hot by now. He's got mad claustrophobia. He's talking to this flickering light in the wall, trying to calm himself down, but then the light goes out, and he starts freaking out and risking everybody being caught. Bashir goes in to retrieve him, and he's like a broken mess. Uh, Worf is recovering from his latest bout and Garrick says he's just going to have to step up and get the job done on his end too. Some amount of time has passed between those two incidents. It's unclear. Right. Um, Worf has uh, just whipped everyone's ass and he finally gets to fight the first. Uh, the Kata, Kata Khan. Um Meanwhile, Garrick is close to fixing that transmitter for good. So it gets some climactic shit all happening at once, cutting back and forth between them. Some guards bust into the cell looking for Garrick. Are we really supposed to believe they weren't monitoring that cell the whole time? Apparently. That's insane. Um, yeah, now the
2: orders have come down. It's time for Garrick to be executed. So. Yes,
1: he's about to get it. Um, so they are pissed off they can't find him. They find the tool that they have been using to get into the wall. Uh, and after icing a Romulan and threatening Bashir, they find that spot in the wall where Garrick is hiding, and they start to open it up and look inside. Worf is losing real bad too. Everything seems hopeless, but then the Breen prisoner steals a gun from the Jem'Hadar and blasts him to death, and then he and another guard blast each other to death. Yeah. So Garrick has a little bit more time to work before more guards come. Uh, Worf is beaten so bad he can hardly stand, but he keeps the fight going. The Vorta wants the first to kill Worf. But the first is overcome by the cool machismo of Worf. And yields. The Vorta is sickened and orders both of their executions. Just then, Garrick triggers the runabout transporter, just in time, so only the honorable first gets blasted. Yep, he gets iced good. And then they head home in that runabout. So that's when those plots come together. Zial and Garrick reunite Bashir and O'Brien, Dax and Worf. Gross.
2: They do kiss in the infirmary. It's not nice.
1: The Klingons are going to stay on DS9 for good to help guard the Alpha Quadrant. Sisko gets to choose the commander, though, and he picks Martok to be the, the dude in charge here. Dukat calls one more time to taunt Sisko. They each promise to smoke the other's butt so hard. Just smoking those buns till somebody begs. (laughs) The end. What was this episode about? So in what you have as the B plot. Yeah.
2: There is possibly a take about you're not beaten until you concede or something like that. Hmm. Um Or there's possibly something about the the greatest enemy is your own fear. Martox says that one out loud, and that's always uh tasty when you're looking for a take.
1: I will just say that I only picked takes this week that somebody said out loud.
2: Yeah. I think though that the the real take for this episode is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm. Like this ragtag bunch of prisoners is Cardassians, Klingons, Romulans, and a Breen.
1: Yeah, who up until this point have never been seen and were just alien of the week to be mentioned right. in a list of aliens.
2: Yes, but even even though they've never been seen, uh, a Romulan gives a snide remark about Breen in this one. Mm-hmm. So it really makes you think, And oh, there's humans there too. No two of these... Races really like each other very much. Sure, but Klingons and humans have the best relationship for sure. But they have <laughs> lately been at war. Yeah, it is
1: at the at the best. It is fraught, I think.
2: Right, but of course they're all working together against the Jem'Hadar. Similarly, back in the A plot, Gowron re-signs the Kettmer Accords. The Romulans turn up with a fleet, uh, mm-hmm. unexpectedly, to help out to help stop the Dominion. So. It is kind of a, you know, it's uh, war makes strange bedfellows or the enemy of the enemy is my friend, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, it's not a big take, though. That's what, you know, it's an aphorism. So right. that's never going to be a good take. Uh, so it's just a two for me.
1: I like, by the way, that they bothered to do Romulan makeup for a couple of characters in the internment camp, but they didn't show uh-huh. one Romulan from that fleet. No one nope. on the that view Romulan screen. Is-
2: didn't call, the Romulans are not there at the end when Garon is talking about permanently <laughs> stationing Klingons on Deep Space Nine. Yep, they did not want like, to hang around. They don't, hey, they don't want to hang around and police Deep Space Nine. They'll show up again if it's fucking actual emergency, maybe. Yeah. But they're not. Listen, this is not a
1: thing. Yeah, this they're is not, not what even going to like have is. a diplomatic post here. There's nothing. Nope. They aren't here.
2: They, uh, uh, they're I, like, look, we really didn't like that fleet coming through the wormhole, yeah. and we did.
1: Send a bunch of Deuterodexes to do something so about
2: many.
1: it. Boy, I got to tell you, dude. Welcome to the space war. Do you see how many Deuterodexes yeah. there were? Pfft.
2: uh Yeah, there really. It doesn't seem like there should be that many B-type warbirds. No, man. If you ask me,
1: that's how many galaxies you're going to see next season. it's fucking I know, crazy. Um, how cool Not would it have been this week? If, by the way,
2: the the Federation ships that show up this week are is a very modest fleet comparatively.
1: You're right. Uh, it's like a couple of Excelsiors. How cool would it have been if the Romulan come on the view screen and it was our buddy from the chase? Or, uh, I don't know, uh-huh. maybe Taybok and Tay. Oh, two uh-huh. Alamos? <sighs> Too many I'm Alamos, dude. Certain. I mean, uh,
2: Katsulas was still alive. Could have been Tomalak. Oh, yeah. That would have been Can you weird. imagine?
1: You had to, like, root for Tomalak for a second. Oh, uh-huh. Would have been good. Yeah, they didn't care about that. I mean,
2: that's that. the whole thing. Like, the Romulans aren't good guys, yeah. but... We can't. The Dominion's an existential threat,
1: apparently. That would have been cool. Oh, imagine if he'd had a regular role, if Tomahawk had come back, and it was like his, his fucking if face had, had some scenes with Gul Dukat. <laughs> it's so, oh, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> Hold on, I just got a little hard. <laughs> Tomahawk has some scenes with Gowron? Oh, man. We just imagined... That this is like the best casting what if Yeah. for, uh... For DS Nine, I think that we've had. God, that would have been so good. His heel turn—I mean, his face turn—would have been there. amazing. He can't be Jarek, but he could
2: be Odo's dad, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, why isn't he there regularly?
2: Him and Tomalak spitting bitterness at each other.
1: <laughs> uh, as I said, I just—I uh, picked the thing that Martok said about the greatest enemy is one's own fears. It works for the Garrick stuff. It kind—I don't know what Warp's fear is there. Uh, giving in. I guess. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. Uh, the fleet fearing an invasion so much, they almost let somebody blow up the Bajoran star system. I don't know. It's hard to unite them sometimes, the two plots. Um, and either way, that's only like a, a four. It's, who cares? I know. Okay. Thanks. As always, I say, what am I supposed to do? Not Just not be afraid, I guess. Yeah, that's what that's say. <laughs> I don't know what the alternative is. Actually, make that a three. Okay, <laughs> I just annoyed myself with it a little bit more. Um, execution again, very rote advice. I can't say anything more about that. Uh, I do like Ducat constantly switching sides. It's very WWF. I think it gives Alemo a lot to do because you're never sure which way he's gonna go on things. I think it made it probably made things interesting on first watch, not knowing what the fuck Ducat was gonna be up to. Yep. but good lord, was the uh, blow up Bejor idea his? Cause uh, that's some maniacal supervillain bull crap. It is also it's a suicide mission for that changeling. Yeah, that's true.
2: But it, like, unless he was gonna just drop the bomb and warp out, I don't really know.
1: This plot goes so far as to make the show a bit cartoonish. I mean, a little
2: bit. Like the this is a. The, the Jem'Hadar have worked up some kind of plan here to destroy the Federation and Klingon fleets at once. Mm-hmm. Or not really just the Klingon fleet and Deep Space Nine. And Deep Space Nine. And some Federation ships. Yeah. Uh, by, by luck, most of the Romulan fleet showed up. Or maybe they manipulated that too and we didn't see it. Yeah, they were doing that on the side somehow.
1: Yeah. But it's like, they can't blow up the Bajoran star system? Yeah. That's a, bit, that's a bit big. That's a, a grandiose plan for sure.
2: I mean, not only that, but Cardassia is so close to Bajor. <laughs> yeah, what
1: would that supernova be that like?
2: That supernova you think could do real damage to the Cardassians. Yeah. I would take years and years for the damage to be realized, but still.
1: I ask again, would that do anything at all to the wormhole? i'd say, uh, no. what if you could never get more reinforcements how would that help you then i don't know yeah um extremely easy to convince gowron to sign a treaty fucking 30 seconds passed between cisco bringing it up and gowron signing the thing
2: it, putting his thumbprint on it now he for sure didn't read it he so. didn't
1: read it even there was no time to read any of it
2: that is uh, some and cisco didn't even say to them it's the same treaty it's the- like he definitely looks at it and says the Kittimer course. Mm-hmm. but for all we know that could just be the title of the document that he signed yeah, For it.
1: all he knows, he just signed away the arcanus system again. Could be. That's like some near record television writing convenience. I I, I was baffled by that scene.
2: Yeah, the only thing that works in the favor of that was how quickly Gowron wanted to stop the war once it was revealed that Martok was a changeling.
1: (laughs) Yes, in characterization, I talk about how it's maybe a little bit in character.
2: (laughs) It is. uh, To be fair, I listened to our uh, run through of Redemption. Okay uh recently and you had a lot to say about garon being a big flip-flopper he's
1: a huge, he's an incredible flip-flopper that's that part's true it's just literally in the scene he's like well, we we are no longer allies and then like fucking under a minute and yeah. he's like thumbprint good we're good to go we're best friends
2: it's janeway off screen level diplomacy exactly
1: like all cisco said was like but wouldn't it be a good idea though and garon was like it would be a good idea so that wasn't great. Um Garrick the uh, claustrophobe is melodramatic, but still works better than Tournament Fighter Wharf. And actually the side characters shine the most. You get the honorable first who's yep. like I can't I can't defeat this Klingon, I can only kill him and the Breen who turns the tables on the guards and I don't know if I feel like the main characters maybe didn't get the the juicy stuff. Anyway, the villainy is exaggerated and the good guys are just fine, so I gave it a 4.
2: Uh, I liked it even one better, I gave it a 5. Okay. Um there's a lot going on in this one.
1: Yes, it's not quite as manically paced as last week, but there is still a shit ton happening.
2: Yeah. Um And it's a little bit hit or miss, like the war fights seem like they're, maybe they exist to buy time so that Garrett can work, but ultimately that doesn't seem to be it. So then maybe are they there to show us something about the difference between the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta?
1: Yep, which they do a lot, by the way.
2: Yeah, this is like the third or fourth pretty honorable Jem'Hadar first
1: that we see. Who tells a Vorta to eat it or straight kills him. Yeah, and they have a real rough relationship with the Vorta, huh? Yeah, it's like they put it into their genes that they would have to serve the founders, but they didn't want them to be too loyal to the middle managers. Well, anyway,
2: that doesn't play out to be anything really this week either. Yeah. Uh, Garrick is usually great. I liked his claustrophobia acting a little less. I, I'm not going to say that Red Dwarf does it better, but... <laughs> There was no one in the walls with him asking him if it was because he was kind of sissy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Romulans show up, never say anything, join the fleet, then they aren't in the final scene. Um, but there's lots of good Dukat, Martok, Gowron, it moves fast, Chekhov's Breen pays off. Yes. That guy's just been standing around just silently yeah. in every single scene. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I Honestly, I thought... As frantic as this episode was, and being part two of a two-parter, it came together pretty good. I gave it a
1: five. Okay. Uh, what about world building? Uh, Certainly there were some big things happening. Yeah, so there's big stuff. The, uh, the
2: Dominion are there. The Cardassians are joining the Dominion. A thing which is, honestly, it's kind of in character for the Cardassians. Every time we see them portrayed, they are desperate to regain lost glory, they have a military government um but they're like kind of fascists the dominion seems right up their alley
1: mhm uh yeah the working with the great evil to reclaim lost glory came sounds like it came right out of the babylon 5 bible that they stole uh huh yep that's exactly. the centauri
2: 100% right exactly <laughs> um the romulan's tip their hand about whose side they're on gauron resigns the kidimar accords yeah Um... Uh, other world building stuff there's a famous bard or something on Kronos uh named Kedera, who uh martok is gonna go to uh, to tell this legend to get this legend turned into a song mm-hmm. we again see the gemidar opinions of the vorta the vorta thinks that honor is stupid but clearly this gemidar first is like rock hard about it yep uh, supernova bombs, et cetera, et cetera, The The crazy plan to destroy all of Bejor. Uh, I thought there was kind of a lot of world building this week. Like things change a lot now. Yep. Ask me again next week if those changes persist. <laughs> yeah. But for this week, it looks like they do. I gave it seven.
1: Yeah, I was close. I gave it a six. I would have given it more. I just, some of it, I don't really understand. Uh, kind of like last week, everything came all at once a bit rushed, and so it's just kind of a lot to take in. You're like, really? Okay, all this is happening at once? Okay. But, um, yeah, like you said, let's see if there's anything new in here. It seems like the fighting tournament was an everyday deal, so Worf just had to keep going out. It was like the uh, the scenes in Ender's game, where he's got to keep going out and yeah. doing, doing battles.
2: Yes, it was like that.
1: Um, Quark serves fresh asparagus?
2: Yeah. And Cardassians like it if you put yamak sauce on it.
1: He got a replicator, and are, are people such asparagus nuts that they? he's got to get fresh asparagus out there? It's very confusing. It's
2: like, Look, it'll make it, but it's like synthahol. If you if you eat the replicated asparagus, you don't smell it in your pee. And, and that's part of the experience. There are
1: some purists. <laughs> that's right. It's not the real deal. Unless you yeah. smell it an hour later or whatever. Um, future Skype is incredible. Ducat stands up angrily during his call with Cisco, and the camera follows him and slightly zooms as he gets angrier. It's actually stunning technology.
2: I definitely feel like you can buy a webcam that does that. To
1: me. Will it follow you and slightly zoom in when you're getting when you're saying angrier words?
2: Well, the the slight <laughs> zoom definitely is artificial intelligence, but like yeah. that ain't shit compared to the holodeck or things you can just ask the enterprise computer.
1: to Still, eat that metaverse. You got nothing. This is this is the deal here. What? Oh yeah. What Dukat's got? Uh, again, the Romulans just fucking showing up out of nowhere. Do you remember? I'm. This is a derail.
2: But do you remember in TOS how Spock would just ask the computer to do really complicated analysis of things? Yes. Like he would just verbally ask what the purpose of such a thing was, and the computer would go invasion. You'd be like, whoa, (laughs)
1: yes. That is has synthesized a lot of data. That really is the ultimate synthesis. It always comes down to one word for him. <laughs> yes. Um, The Cardassian Dominion Alliance, the like-new Federation Klingon Alliance, uh, all that, again, the plots uh, in the Bajor system, the revelation of changeling spies again. Uh, just everything in the episode is sort of monumental, and like I said, just a little bit, all at once, so it's hard to really understand what the hell's happening. So, a six for me.
2: And what about characterization?
1: Uh, Ducat is a great heel because you you do kind of want to like him, despite all of the evil. Yep. But man, the evil was ratcheted up this week, huh?
2: He kind of never pretends he's not evil. Yeah. Like, he says... A bunch of stuff. Like I was thinking back to that episode um where, where Cisco and Odo and O'Brien went undercover.
1: And he had to, to be Cavana on base. He was
2: Captain Cavana that week. Exactly. Yeah, and he and he was just telling he just straight told him, I'm not coming back. Like, if you win, you won't need me, and if you lose, you'll be dead. So Peace out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or how about the first one where you became um uh, uh, glorious rebel hero when he's on that freighter and yep. he basically tells Kira he wants to do this because then he's going to be the big boss when they turn the tables on the Klingons yep. like at first it's and, supposed to and, be some kind of great fight for freedom or she thinks that and he's like yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on top when we win
2: but everyone in the Federation is giving him way too much credit and they're constantly being like he acts like that but really <laughs> he's a big softy he cares about his son's baseball game, et cetera. That's right. <laughs> birthday party at the water park, you said.
1: Yeah, I just remember he was supposed to go to the City, but thanks to fucking ta- to Thelonious Riker. Yep. And he won't remember that Dukat was trying to save the Cardassian Empire. He'll just remember it was one more birthday <laughs> where his father was away. Um. Are we supposed to believe he's ratcheted up his evil because he's mad about his daughter being in love with Garrick? I just I'm trying yeah, to figure out what I the don't motivation think so, is, honestly. Cuz he was so mad last week about it. He's like accusing Kira, he's like you did this on purpose.
2: Well, in retrospect we learned that her staying behind to wait for Garrick means that she's going to die in the supernova. That's part of his plan.
1: Yeah, it's his plan, and I guess he does say he's been working with the Dominion for months. So yeah, I just, I couldn't figure it out. It's just such an ev- It's such an insanely Bond level Bond villain evil plan.
2: Yeah, so he might be bitter about having had to kill his daughter
1: because of Garrick. Well, he wouldn't like that because I know Garrick had to do with his father's death. So yeah,
2: well, it's fucking especially when he learns that the goddamn Dominion who have presumably made him a lot of promises about the future of Cardassia. Yeah. Actually couldn't manage to execute Garrick when they already had him in jail. <laughs>
1: it's true. The next time he sees Garrick's alive, he's going to be like, "You fucking I asked you guys to kill him. So you guys told me a bunch
2: of shit, but you couldn't do the most basic thing?" Oh,
1: it's a good thing you're my overlords now or else. Yeah. Um Worf relishes this fighting tournament for some reason. I don't know. It's like his own private glory. It's hard to say.
2: It's the the only thing he's good at. The only place he's a Worf good tournament has ever fighter. really won, and we haven't seen it yet, no. but the only place Worf has ever really won praise that he believes in and that doesn't get taken away is his battle at tournaments. <laughs> That's
1: right no batleth for this one but he's he's he showed he's he's just a good in tournaments you know what i mean he's like that kind of team where they're never really that good in the regular season and it just doesn't seem like they got it and then they always make it to the sweet 16 it's just they're built for it you know that's wharf
2: yeah for sure you know against a a breakaway soldier from a weird planet that's trying to join the federation on the ship not so great not so great that's right exactly that's
1: regular season but you put him, there's going to be a trophy at the end. He's fucking ready. Um Worf and Martok are very kind and talk just a bit louder than normal about how cool and brave Garrick is, I assume, to boost his confidence.
2: I feel like this whole episode, um, Martok is trying to give Worf Klingon lessons.
1: Oh, he's finally going to take him under his wing, unlike that other old man who wasn't into it. Yeah. Ah, oh, listen. Well man, the guy I, who said his name was a curse? Listen, I gotta I'm just gonna stop you right there. I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna pull you aside here. Well you just come over here with me, we'll go stand by the door. Hey well, um, that guy won best actor, so <laughs> Hey, I gotta uh, I gotta tell you a couple of things. I don't know. Hey, when was the last time you were on the homeworld? It's been a while, huh? Okay, well I gotta tell you. Your name? Um Your 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 name is the cunt of the of the Klingon Homeworld. <laughs> You can't you can't say your name in polite conversation. Anymore. I
2: accidentally cut someone off in traffic and they shouted at me that I was a wharf, so...
1: <laughs> that happened yesterday. Think about it. So just, you know... By the way, also, you don't know nothing about... Uh, Klingon women. Nips. Klingon nips. You don't know nothing about...
2: <sighs> well, them. that's better than the way you described it <laughs> in that
1: actual episode. <laughs> Why, did you listen to that one recently, too, or it just scarred? I did, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Anyway, I just thought it was there. I think they were just the whole time. Worf is fighting in a to the death tournament or whatever. I guess it's not technically to the death. I mean, they didn't kill Martok, but um, he definitely does kill at least a, a one Gemidar. We see him snap one's neck. Um, and and they're like standing there, being like, ah, to face one's in internal fears is the the greatest battle of all. They keep saying just a little too loud so Garrett can hear it. <laughs> yep. Uh Garrick's bad claustrophobia. He fights through it and just like Tane gets some gets that message out. Garon is crazy, obviously, but it's getting worse sure. too. <laughs> Cause again, just does a full fucking reversy on the Federation Alliance in less than one page of script. Yep. Quark is upset. I don't know
2: how he's going to sell that to the
1: council. I don't know. This dude is going to be drinking poison wine. I am saying. <laughs> I kind of get the feeling he's given up on the council and his yeah. every plan is now if I just do this really cool thing, I'll be okay for another three weeks. He may have been voted some emergency powers. <laughs> there may be a Klingon
2: Jar Jar out there. It's true. <laughs> uh,
1: Quark is upset that the founders and Jem'Hadar don't eat, drink or fuck. Since he thinks they're gonna have the station soon, Zial cheers him up though with that joke about how maybe the Vorta are gluttonous, alcoholic, sex maniacs or whatever. Yep. Um, others are in it. I mean, Cisco keeps having those conversations with Ducat and everything, but like, I don't know. If we learned anything about Cisco except the hubris is still very strong. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, like. They don't again, he was fooled again. yeah, he always fooled every like other day by the Maquis, Well, there was a changing on his station for a month. yeah, in all his secret meetings and everything.
2: He pulled him in. He said, "Hey, I'm meeting with Gauron. I'd in
1: love here? to
2: have you in this meeting with me. Just <laughs> I mean, just to be there, just back me up. you, me and Gowron
1: just like the old days. <sighs> and he's still at the end. He's like, bring it on. You know we're gonna whip your ass, Gulducot and the Dominion, and it's so weird that his confidence is so high. Yep. Just a four for me.
2: Uh I was one higher, I gave it a five. Okay. Um Cisco mainly sits in his office and takes calls, like you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I always like his calls with Ducat because he gets to play indignant and angry. And those are two emotions that Avery Brooks is pretty good at getting across a hundred percent. Um, and like you said, he, when he hears Bashir is calling from the gamma quadrant, he takes three good beats before he orders the Defiant to blow up the Yukon. So he's thinking about it. But also like you suggested, is any part of this calculus, I got fooled again. Yeah. And I'm going to have that guy killed.
1: <laughs> well, we know. Again, in that Eddington episode, <clears throat> he didn't make any attempt <clears throat> Excuse me, to rationalize his crazy actions. It was very clear that it was just personal. That was just two weeks ago.
2: Yep. Uh, Worf is once again more Klingon than the Klingons, but Martok is much more new and nuanced. Uh, he's constantly telling Worf, uh, "Hey, honor's been satisfied. You don't actually. No one actually expects you to fight to the death." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, he like you said. He has a a louder than normal conversation about how brave Garrick's being. Yep. Uh, But that's a message Worf needs to hear, because that's a season one message for Worf, too, is that the greatest enemy is
1: your own fear. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he needs to be around a Klingon who knows what's going on for sure, and have those things (laughs) reinforced.
2: Worf felt fear out here in season four, maybe (laughs) season five. And Went to his quarters to kill himself because he was no longer strong. <laughs>
1: I'm no longer strong, is one of the best
2: lines in all of TNG. <laughs> Garrick is claustrophobic. I think if the writers could have figured out a way to make his problem this episode something to do with Tane, it would have
1: been a stronger choice. Yeah, they've. been a
2: claustrophobia we've never heard of.
1: They buried Tane last week, and apparently everything relating to him in the plot.
2: Yep. Garron is still a very political player, who flip-flops on a dime.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Dukat's nice-guy phase is over, and in retrospect, it probably only was that he was down. He didn't have the power, so he seemed a little more harmless. Yeah. Quark still assumes that he's going to be at DS9, no matter who's running it. <laughs> he, like, it seems like he's he can't bad see... at, at like emergency planning. Uh-huh. He has no plan, mm-hmm. and he can't see any other life. Cisco, in the beginning of the show, blackmails him. Yeah. Uh, to stay on the station. But he can't see any other thing at this point. He assumes that he's going to have to have run a bar when the station is all full of Jem'Hadar and Vorta and Founders.
1: Yeah, it's like um, so many things have happened with Brunt and the FCA.
2: <laughs> yes, that he's
1: just like this is it now, man. We well,
2: he, he can't go back to F- to Ferenginar, but like he could fucking go to Earth. Humans seem to like this guy.
1: It's, yeah, let him weird. get
2: away with any kind of thing. He
1: could have a bar right next to Cisco's restaurant.
2: Yeah, he could just go open a bar at the academy. Sure. Just you know, not the Vulcan nightclub, the Vulcan mm, dance club that yes. the fake Boothby was always talking about, or whatever. Uh-huh. But like,
1: he could open on Far bar Night at, at the Vulcan academy. dance club, or whatever. Paul,
2: yeah, exactly. Fucking Voyager. Uh so definitely some moments here, and and uh, and I'm a five. Okay.
1: Uh, well, quick ones, I guess.
2: Uh, yeah, quick ones for sure. So, what does Kira think firing on Gul Dukat is going to accomplish?
1: Honestly... Is that going to undo the alliance? <laughs> it seems like all that would do is maybe convince that fleet to turn around and blow you up.
2: Uh-huh, yeah. Um, This is a fulfillment of one of Sisko's wild prophecies from the obelisk. Mm.
1: The uh, locusts. locusts
2: passing over Bejor and going to Cardassia. Yes. Why is the runabout still parked (laughs) somewhere around that prison camp? Why can they just contact the runabout and beam out and leave?
1: They're so disinterested in Federation technology because it has proven so shitty to them that they aren't taking it apart or looking at it or looking for records or anything. It's literally just sitting there impounded.
2: They didn't power it down. They didn't scuttle it. They beamed They boarded it. They took the prisoners, and then they just fucking left it up there.
1: They probably wrote an inventory number on the windshield, and that was it.
2: Yeah, could be. They put a paper tag on the dashboard, <laughs> and uh, and another and a little matching tag on the keys, and they were like, <laughs> "That's good enough." Bashir, just putting it on blast that wharfs no engineer. I know. He's Garrick's like, What do you mean you want me to modify it? And he's all. Well, I'm not an engineer. Worf's not an engineer. <laughs> okay, hang on. Yeah. You guys get Worf it. Worf was running sensors and all kinds of computer systems all the time on you, the enterprise. You guys know what I
1: mean. It don't make me sick. You guys,
2: you understand. He's he's okay. no engineer. And by the way, you know who is an engineer? Rom. <laughs> That's right. So think about it. That's all, all I'm saying. Um,. Dukat's shit is always about one of his kids' birthdays. It really is. Uh, the wormhole is undestroyable for plot reasons. Uh-huh. I forget the exact <laughs> thing that prompted me to say this, but Garon is getting poetic in his old age. He might have said something right after he... Uh, Signed the treaty or whatever. Thumbed the treaty, Yeah, yeah. who the fuck knows. I didn't get the impression from this fighting tournament that Wharf was allowed to just break necks and kill people.
1: It seems like they were just going to beat him up a little bit, but like when when you're introduced to rules
2: and they're like, "Okay, if you get knocked down, you have to touch the top of one of these pylons <laughs> to continue." That's like a count out. Yep.
1: And then he, then he just Worf snaps breaks
2: the guy's neck. Just snaps his neck. No one says the anything. The only thing though. we didn't see was him pulling <laughs> someone's ketracel tube out. Which I'm sure he did. I, I mean, wouldn't have. you? Fuck, I would. On On day three or whatever, when he'd already gotten through six or seven of these guys, but mm. he had 18 broken ribs, You, I imagine he was pulling tubes.
1: Yeah, he's like, first thing I'm doing is pulling tubes and see what happens.
2: This isn't like Zenketh, Garrick. Hey, Worf definitely doesn't know who uh, Keetera is. No, and he's just playing along when Martok says that shit.
1: Well, did he go like this? Definitely, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, Worf was like, uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'd go to. Also, although there's the other one. Yeah, oh, I can't remember his name. You know what I'm talking about, though. The other part.
2: Yeah, well, I mean it's it's either gonna be Keeter or
1: I um, oh, uh, know on. what I forget uh, his name. Boy. Let's just stick with Keeter. I'm, a, uh, you know, because of this fighting term, I can't remember. I can't remember his name. This space that Garrick
2: is in must have been a lot tighter for chunky old Enobriantain, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they never really like told him when he was made dying that of, right? Garrick sized. You think
2: he's dying of being
1: squeezed? <laughs> I think it was even worse for him in there than it was for Garrick.
2: That's what that's what gave him bad heart was squeezing into that fucking <laughs> little wall.
1: Is that what Bashir diagnoses him with, or was it bad genes?
2: Uh, yeah well Bashir doesn't diagnose him at all the only thing we hear about an Auburn <clears throat> Tain's condition from Martok oh cool okay and then um, when they're chasing down the Yukon and Kier orders that Defiant to go to warp to get to catch up to it
0: mm.
2: Deck seems like that's crazy that's insane you can't go to warp A what <laughs> Like, the Enterprise fucks up. In TNG, the Enterprise <clears throat> fucks off directly from a planet's orbit like 50 times. It oh, just yeah. goes to warp right there.
1: Yep, immediately. Yeah, as long as you don't plot and a then, course into the sun, what is your problem?
2: And then what do you mean inside a solar system? Like, anywhere within a light year of the sun? Because then you could never go anywhere.
1: Yeah. Like, how close is too close to do it? I mean, so this is a good question. She's not explain her fear.
2: Like, full impulse is like a quarter the speed of light. So, if they can't go to warp while they're in a solar system, it would be, their whole shit would be like, okay, we spent six months getting far enough away from the sun to go to warp, and then we were at warp for three days.
1: Yeah, then we got to this planet in eight hours or whatever.
2: <laughs> Don't make no sense. Yep. Um, I gave best actor to Martok, I gave worst actor to the Romulan lady. Okay. She
1: doesn't have a name, and she didn't earn it. Nope. I got um. I got one quick hitter because I did the description. Yeah. Is it weird that the Jem'Hadar are roughly man sized? Like, why didn't yes. they breed them for size? If you're trying to breed killing machines, why are you breeding them five ten? What's that for?
2: You know, maybe maybe that's like. Uh... You can breed them for size, or you can breed them to be ready to fight within three years,
1: but you can't have both. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you'd be hard to fight within three days of emergence if you were a giant. Right. Yeah, you gotta fucking pick your battles. It could be it. Yeah, speed. Um, Because Worf was a lot bigger than some of those Javadar. That's all I'm saying. He was. All right, that's it, man. We did it. God.
2: We did do it. We did do it.
1: In last place this week with Mm.
2: 18 points. We each gave it nine. Voyager the fight.
1: Uh well it wasn't good. I'm surprised it got up to eighteen points, honestly. Oh, that's right. It had half a take. So
2: Yeah, exactly. It scored it scored nine points for take, which is above average. Yeah. And um yeah, you know, it's it got eighteen last week with Course Oblivion, twenty with the disease, sixteen with Dark Frontier. <laughs> so 18 is not so good. Uh, Second place this week, 27 points. TNG violations. We were pretty close on this one. I gave it 13, you gave it 14.
1: They haven't been doing their best work. I assume there's a take for Masterpiece Society, but sometimes I assume that, and then when I go into it, I'm like... themes.
2: But is there going to be a take for Conundrum, aside from... Well, think about it.
1: (laughs) Oh, the take is exactly what choice is at the end. That when you... (laughs) When you, when you're not yourself, when you're inebriated or whatever, it's always just it's the things you really always wanted to do.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if that episode's going to score
1: bonkers points because it's going to have Ensign Rowe in it. Uh characterization's going to be through the roof. We got Wharf yeah, thinking yeah, he's yeah, the captain because he's got the sash. Like he's I just, bet she does a bunch of king shit again. Like he's just not looking at the pips. Like hey, Worf, come yep. on, man. Everyone's got pips. Just look at them. Yeah. Uh, yeah that sash just uh, is to let everyone know that you wet your pants so. <laughs> I wish someone had suggested that as one possibility uh, what if you wear a sash so that everyone knows you're a coward with no honor I don't know why I know to say that
2: uh, that's two uh, That's two weeks out conundrum so we'll yeah. look forward to that um, and the winner this week 36 points wow um, Deep Space Nine's 37th win Dude, last time we light. got
1: a 36 was in week 102 when Ensign Rowe got a 39.
2: Yep. Yeah, the average for <laughs> winners is still higher than this 36, but uh, because down. we're in kind of a lull here, 36 is, is relatively good.
1: Well, it got that fat 13 in world building, which is underlined on Landrew. It's not the all-time best, but it's it's might be second best. Top, it's uh, top 10%. That's what that means, right? Because I know we gave 16 to Way of the Warrior. That's the most. I'm trying to see if anything got more than 13. We get, there's another 13. It's The Search Part 2. I don't oh, there's a 14 from Q Who. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Q Who. World building. That's confusing to me. Uh, measure of uh, a man Q-Who got who a 13. got 50
2: points, apparently, so.
1: Yeah, Measure of Man had 13 world building. Space Seed had 13 world building.
2: How was that not our top all-time week? Which one? The low that week was a 34. Week 41.
1: Oh, you're not kidding. That was a good week. That is your yeah. all-time best week. You gave a 21.4 average. Yes. Yeah. It was our best characterization week, too. But not our best I
2: mean, week. It- no, it was week fourteen, which was still early going. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Deep Space Nine closes the gap now to eight episodes.
1: Yeah, getting that's right, starting to tighten up again.
2: Next week, we are watching the Masterpiece Society.
1: We all know it's maybe this Maybe going
2: to be something about utopias. Sure. Uh, for Deep Space Nine, we're watching Dr. Bashir, I presume. No! Sorry,
1: his name's in the title, it's not
2: good. This guy just got back from being a Dominion <clears throat> prisoner, and now he's going to be put through the ringer again a little bit.
1: Well, this shit's going to be on blast.
2: For sure. Yep. And you get to describe an episode of Voyager called Think Tank.
1: No, well, it's not the fight, which means I win the whole tournament. The whole bag I mean, of marbles. don't Arbus,
2: you? Or whatever people Don't you, say. though?
1: This is all me. I, uh, we've done 111 weeks. So we can just declare me the winner right now.
2: <laughs> ah, fuck. It looks like I'm going to get to describe Barge of the Dead. <laughs> way out in the... Oh,
1: well, you're going to. But you have all the extra, extra background on that from STO. You're in good shape. I do. I do. I do.
2: Uh yeah. Ooh, later on I get to describe an episode called the Voyager Conspiracy. We already talked we me. already
1: talked about how you get to do 0.49930555556. I sure I sure do. <laughs>
2: um yeah, those are the episodes we're gonna watch. Next time we convene, however, it will be a mailbag, mm. uh hopefully the end of the flag bracket.
1: And, and we should uh, probably
2: come prepared with some padding. Yeah, I'm prepping a segment now, okay, so cool. um, we will have some other stuff to do nice. uh, next week, but it won't be uh, next calendar week. I am traveling next Ooh. Wednesday, so we'll be off
1: a week there. Oh, off to the Emerald Cities close neighbor. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, but send us mail anyway, because in two weeks we'll need it. That's um, at BrotherDate on the Twitter machine, brothers at BrotherDate.com for the email. Go to BrotherDate.com and check out Landrew. He's a very good boy. Um, as Judah said earlier, he does these calculations and shit. Like, just yeah. sp- fucking spur of the moment. He's like the computer of the enterprise. Yes. Um.
2: Sometimes when I uh, make a change in Landrew,
1: uh you hear my computer's fans all fire up. Oh, I mean he's a resource hog for sure, but Yeah, for sure. That's cuz he's a growing boy, and I love him. Um pod Podcatchers. Have We're on tiny dicks. How about oh. that? Take that, you know? Podcatchers. I'm coming for you. Um as you believe. So shall you do, so shall you do As you believe, As you believe so shall, so you, shall
2: do. you do Peldar Joy, everyone Bye. Um, The great, great writers of this great, great show Gave Garrett Wong the line I'm picking up a lot of raw data <laughs> <laughs> What's anyone supposed to do with that? please <laughs> subscribe